Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hey, I'm Dr. Fucking. With me is... Oh, yeah! The Atola Alcoholic, Ian Wadley. Hey, Ian. What's up, dude? Uh, not, well, uh, actually a whole lot, but I, I'm drunk and in a good mood. We even have a guest today. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's Monday. You're drunk? Yeah, it don't, it's recording day. Do you, you know, that, that, do you that, work that, tomorrow? I'm supposed to. Alright. You know, we'll see. So, so, so Ian, man, this is a very special episode because we got a really cool dude again on our show. Tell him who it is. Oh my God. It's the man himself, Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories, is with us, and uh, this this is the guy who wants to do our new intro, I believe. Really? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Because thank you guys, by the way. But yeah, I just wanted to express my love of the Lee Gertzman intro, where you know specifically the part where he goes full on death metal in the section of "Go to Hell." That always, always cracks me up. And and as Butthead (laughs) would always say. Is that a bear? No, it's Lee Gertzman. It's amazing. Absolutely, it cracks me up every fucking time. Yeah. It goes through yeah. so many different timbers in his voice, and uh, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. But just for the record, Lee Gertzman's not a bear. He's just a power bottom. That's right. Um, <laughs> I want to make that clear, even though he did live in San Francisco. You know, the, but, the, yeah. way, the way that was recorded was, I would say a line. <laughs> I just edited the hell, because Lee was really drunk. Oh, I, I was bet. like, all right, Lee, say this. And then he'd say it. I go, and then, you know. I go, say that, you know, everything that he says, uh, he's just repeating lines I said. <laughs> he was uh, the Marlon Brando of this uh, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, he was. But, he but was I out love, of it. I love this time of the year because I just hand you guys my wallet and I donate to the best cause around. And, of course, that cause is, uh, you know, keeping Ralph off of three sides of the coin forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, you know, oh, it's a nice bait and switch to claim it was for Rock and Pod, but the cat's out of the bag. Well, there now. you we go. Don't... Everybody out there, a hundred bucks, and I will never do two sides again. That's right. And, and by I... the cat, by the cat being out of the bag, I don't mean Peter Chris is back to kicks for all you super nerds out there who have Hooligan as your ringtone. Uh, but no, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Just, let's be honest, what the money's really for? Hell yeah. Well, dude, it's it's so awesome to have you back, and and awesome that you can be here. We're gonna do a full episode with you, fucking news and everything, and an awesome album review. Uh, but what better way to kick it off? We have new iTunes reviews. Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah, multiple. All right, multiple. Our our first review is a five star review. I love those. Wow. And. And this is from Catbutt. Catbutt. Yeah, Catbutt. Or is what I call the Peter Chris 78 solo album. Uh, <laughs> five-star review. This one entitled First Time Listener. And he says, and I quote, Judas Priest had the best set list this, time, this last time through town. 
I like these guys and the way they play the song they're talking about in the background. I've got a lot of listening to do to get caught up. So thank you, Catbutt. You need to join uh, the Facebook page. Yeah, man. And uh, join the whole party. But, man, glad. I mean, this is somebody who's just discovered us now. And, uh, yeah, you do have a lot of homework. Uh, so check it out. But thank you for listening. Glad you enjoyed our Judas Priest concert review. And uh, thanks for leaving an iTunes review. And if you donate $80 to the Rocket Pot Expo, Ian will lick a cat's butt. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'll also do it for five bucks. That's probably not good salesmanship, but you know, I just I like what I like. <laughs> oh man, we should say kidding because you know now they're gonna get a lot of donations going. I want to see Ian lick a cat's butt. <laughs> yeah, well, it's five bucks for me to do it. A uh, hundred bucks for the video. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I see. What what what's the meow? What the meow? <laughs> All right. Well, our next review. <laughs> this this is an interesting review. Uh, this is another five-star review from Darren45, simply titled Great Podcast. And he says, and I quote, these guys are awesome because they only like the wordy reviews. Too drunk, not gonna do it. Just imagine a clever review with a lot of words. (laughs) (laughs) What's that guy's name? Derek 45. Derek 45. I like that one. And, uh, That's a and, great and, review, man. And, and, and I love Wordy. Yeah. Keep them coming, and we will keep reading them. You know, that, that last review makes me wonder. You know, he says uh, we're wordy, right? I, I think the reason he says that, because every podcast he's heard so far, guy talks <laughs> like this. <laughs> you know, he, he there's a lot of words missing in a lot of other podcasts. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty podcasts. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that album. Yeah, yeah. This Wait, song, hold on, I gotta get a glass of water. This and song there's silence for like thirty in a, seconds. <laughs> in a diminished fifth on a seventy-two Rickenbacker. Uh, I like it. Uh, yeah, that that's not us. We we tell dick jokes and talk about fucking your mother. That's, that's right. right. Let's 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 continue being wordy. <laughs> no What's voice that? typing. No voice typing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, if you saw the spelling errors, you would know that was not voice typing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wrote it when I read it. You know, I, <laughs> I'm so drunk. I think I'm the only person that could read it. <laughs> oh Lord. All right, well, fuck it. Let's get into some news. What do you say? Well, I tell you what. Before we get into the news, uh, I want to talk about what's coming up because this episode is going to be up very shortly. We're talking about the Rock and Pod Expo Three in Nashville, Tennessee, August 9th and tenth. At uh, I don't know. Go on the link. It's a, it's at a hotel right by the fucking uh, airport. But uh, it's going to be fucking amazing. We're doing a fundraiser right now, and we are kicking fucking ass helping raising money for this uh we've already covered ralph and, and myself's expenses to get there and still are raising a ton of money uh to help chris and zach put on the best show we can there's a lot of stuff that goes into putting these on promotion you know and securing the rock stars and, and more being announced every day you got people like dave ellison there 
uh, you know, Brian Forsyth from Kicks, uh, Michael Sweet from Striper. There's all kinds of people. Erie Vaughn from fucking Danzig. There's so many people going to be there. Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die. Yeah, you can meet him live in person. And, and actually, I, I keep forgetting to tell you this, uh, Ralph, but you and I are going to be performing live on stage, too. Are we? Uh, what, music, like music? Musically. Really? Music. We're probably going to be part of some panels, but yes, we will be playing with the great Lee McCormick uh, from the Tramps Like Us uh, podcast, and he kept asking us to pick a song, and he gave a list of songs, and I was waiting for you to chime in, but you never check your messages. We are going to be performing the Twisted Sister classic, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, live on stage. <laughs> wait, wait, are you going to sing with me? Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if we're going to sing at the same time. Maybe you take a All verse, right, I think, okay. for it. No, that's what I know? meant. Yeah, we're gonna rock this fucker. We're out. gonna do a duet. Yes, we are gonna perform live on stage. We're gonna do a duet of my favorite Twisted Sister song. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I, I picked that one. I think it was between that, um, "Too Fast for Love," no. and there, 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 <laughs> there was there was a there's some other song, and it was a good song too. But I was like, you know what? You know what fits us is fucking Twisted Sister. You know, because we look like ugly women. And, uh, you know, Especially last year. And that's a great fucking song. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, and, and, and also, I think we're going to be part of some panels this year. And, and just, you get to hang out with us. And, and, you know, Brian, I think you have a unique perspective. You were there last year. You got to witness. We really spend time with everybody who shows up and we hang out and party with everybody. What? Tell a little bit about your experience last year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got to see, along with Metal Mike and Scott Stein, uh, you guys dressed up as Vinnie Vincent in the hotel room. Like, we saw the makeup being applied. So <laughs> that that was amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's not just all the bands you meet. If you're if you're a fan of Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on the Facebook page, you get to meet all the, a lot of the people that you talk with that you've never met in person. You know, like, I got to meet Metal Mike Tyler and, uh, Tim Breen, Matt Weller's dick. You got to meet the guys in Black Heron. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a, such an awesome time. And, and like Ian said, they treat you like family. Like, they bring you into their inner circle. Like, there's no pretentiousness or anything. Like, everyone's just there to have a good time. And uh, I, it, if you're close by, there's no excuse not to, not to be there because it is one of the greatest times in the world, like, hands down. Well, well, thank you, brother, and I hope that encourages some people that are on the fence. Show up, because, you know, that is a whole part of the experience you get besides how awesome the actual expo is. Everything is self-contained this year in the same hotel, the, the Friday night pre-show, all this stuff. You don't have to drive around, uh, you know, drunk in Nashville trying to get to this spot and that spot. You just get to the hotel, get as fucked up as you want, bring some drugs for us. <laughs> and, and and we all hang out, man. You're, I tell you, any listener of ours that, that come, you are welcome into our hotel room to party with us, to hang out with us uh, all weekend long. And, you know, it, it's not just that. I mean, the, the people you'll meet, the fucking merch you can buy, the people you can see and get shit signed and all that stuff. It's an incredible fucking experience and hopefully get turned on some other podcasts that aren't as good as ours, but they might still be worth a listen. You know, uh, there's a, a lot of shit to do there. And again, I want to thank everybody who's donated. I mean, holy shit. The donation page has only been up like eight days. And what we've done already is fucking amazing. I mean, faster than the previous two years. And we've won 
the, the, the first two years we've raised the most money. We're going to do it again this year. And it's because of the loyalty of you guys. And it's just fucking amazing. We appreciate it so fucking much. And we want to show that appreciation back to you by by doing your drugs, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, with us, you know, and, and getting drunk and just hanging out, having a good time, man, because that's what it's all about. We want to meet you motherfuckers. We want to hang out with you guys, man. And here's a great opportunity to not only do that, but to see all kinds of other amazing shit and just have a really cool fucking vacation, man. And if you go online right now, book your hotel room before July 26th. I don't know what day this is going to air, but book it before uh, July 26th and you get a discount mm-hmm. uh, on, on your rooms and stuff. I mean, they've been spending on drugs to do with us and, you know, to buy records and do everything and, you know, hang out and have a good time. Uh, I mean, last, last year I was your guys' drug mule from San Francisco. So it yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you come back this year because you have an ample ass that you know you can fit a lot of force into, uh, and uh, Daddy needs that to get through the day. Absolutely. Well, speaking of asses, when we were t- when you were called, uh, Lee Grossman said uh, the last episode that that was on and talking about his prostate exam and everything, which you know I was like, well, I better go get checked out. But let's face, it, I was doing it because I just like the way it yeah. feels. So I know. I wish Lee Gertzman was coming this year because he has no prostate. Think of all the more room he has. Oh, yeah. You know? You know? Absolutely. You, you could put clean syringes up there, too, you know? <laughs> It'd be fucking awesome. The force pills are perfect. Yeah. But uh, seriously, everybody, man, show up. Donate if you can. Uh, we appreciate everything. It does go through a good cause, man. Note, this is nobody's keeping this money for spending money or anything. It, 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 it went to help us get there and it went to put on the best event we can and try to secure that there's a rock and pod four because uh, man we really uh, I shouldn't say we I should say Chris Inzak really put his neck out on the line this year this year is bigger than ever before a bigger venue and we have to properly promote this stuff there's all kinds of you know you have to pay for security and all that I mean it's a lot to put this on and uh, this is a grassroots thing, you know, done by these podcasts. I mean, we're not fucking Mark Marin, you know, we're not fucking, uh, uh, what's that horrible asshole that was on uh, The Man Show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, we're not shows like that that have, like, fucking name brand sponsorship. This is all grassroots. People who just are so passionate about what they do, they do this shit. Not for the money, but for the love of music or be it movies or whatever their podcast is about. Uh you know, help. It's a great thing to support, and we appreciate everything. And we're so proud that you helped us won, win everything that we've been in. Highest donations ever. We're the podcast fucking kings. And, and don't you worry, me and Rather are gonna have some crowns to strut around that motherfucker, man. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like a fucking peacock. <laughs> and by by that, I mean I'm gonna be turning all kinds of colors because I'm probably fucking no Dean on smack. But. Um, it's going to be a great fucking time. So thank you for everything you've done so far, what you're going to do in the future. We appreciate it. Get your ass to Nashville and book those rooms before July 26th to get a good deal. Get your ass to Nashville. <laughs> you heard Ralph. All right. Well, let's get into some fucking news, shall we? Let me, okay. uh, let me find something worth talking about. Uh, and that's what we heard. Sebastian Bach on his former bandmates in Skid Row. They fucking hate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, uh, 
Water's wet too. You know? Yeah, man. <laughs> I I don't know what this guy did other than maybe wanting to change the name of Skid Row to Savage Animal. Uh, <laughs> that pissed these guys off so much. But man, they <laughs> just will not. It's, it's bad. They will not budge one bit, man. And, and I think it might be because, you know, if you if you look at it from the outside, like yeah, Skid Row's playing some really shitty gigs. And nobody's buying these new albums. Not that anybody buys albums anymore anyway. But uh, behind the scenes, there are some members in Skid Row that are financially independent. They made some smart decisions. I know uh, I, I know Rachel Bolin invested his money very wise. Uh, Dave Snake Sabo has a successful uh, management business. Uh, so they don't need it. But man, it's like, stop cutting off your nose to spite your face and get back with fucking Sebastian already because they're not even that fucking good a band in, in my opinion the best thing they had was Sebastian Bach yeah you know and, and he had to me that's the only thing that sets them aside from like fucking Danger Danger mm-hmm. and fucking Tough and shit like that was Sebastian Bach love him or hate him had a hell of a voice and brought like a rock star attitude uh, that apparently they can't stand but, you know, he threw out this open invitation, said, hey, you know, it's the 30th fucking anniversary. And, uh, you know, I invite any member, you know, past member, you know, the, the, what's considered the original or classic lineup to come play with me. And so far, only drummer Rob Fuzo has said, yeah, I'll do it at any time. The other guys won't. And I think it's a damn shame. And, you know, Sebastian talked in this latest interview. He was like, hey. You know, my dad died at 57. You know, my grandfather died at 57. I think Sebastian, you know, he's not 57, but he's getting up there. And if you've seen recent pictures, he looks like fucking shit. (laughs) You know, so, uh, you you know, I mean, goddamn, just do it. Just do it already. But uh, apparently uh, they don't feel it. But uh, I would definitely go. If, if they if they did something with Sebastian, I would go see. Let's put this. I go see Sebastian solo. I won't go see Skid Row without Sebastian Bach. What do you guys yeah. think? Well, you know what? I, no, I, I, I'll see both. But Sebastian Bach's playing down here, and uh, it's eighty bucks, so I'm not going. Yeah. Oh well, that that yeah, that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, that, and, and it's not really because of Sebastian Bach that I'm. He doesn't charge that much. To see him solo, but he's playing one of those pre-kiss shows before the cruise. You know, the other thing is they're kind of screwing the fans, whether it be the record label or not. You know, they just released the 30th anniversary of the debut, and they only released it on MP3. Well, uh, that, that, yeah, well, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that wasn't them. They don't own the Masters. That's Atlantic, right? And and that was Atlantic's decision to put it out. It's only available digitally, right? You know, you know Atlantic's like, yeah, we ain't, we ain't you know, putting out a physical product because we don't think that many people will buy it, but we're just trying, you know, in case there is some fucking, you know, oh, hey, I hear Sebastian Box like, likes Kiss, so maybe some Kiss nerd will buy it because Sebastian Box says Kiss is cool and there are Kiss nerds like that. Oh, uh, cool. You know, they're like, we'll, we'll take a risk on that, but we're not going to risk, you know, manufacturing a physical product, but they have no control over that first album. That's but isn't, it, isn't yeah. it funny that uh, Atlantic like uh doesn't put it on vinyl right but yet they put besides yourself on vinyl <laughs> exactly nobody's buying that what the, well, explain that ian <laughs> they put what out on vinyl 
They put besides ourselves the Skid Row album. Oh, the oh, EP. oh, oh, the yeah. EP? Oh. Wow. Well, I, I, I guess a, a, a 45 is cheaper to produce. <laughs> Well, well, there's, a, know, there's a Kiss song it's on an it. Album, an yeah, album. Yeah, there's, album. yeah, there's a Kiss song. I actually, I, I like that EP. I, I, I bought, I bought that. Yeah, but but what would sell more? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the first Skid Row or Beside Yourself on vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Ask yourself that so, question. Well, the funny thing is, if I'm looking at both of them in a record store, I'm going to buy Beside Yourself. <laughs> well, so would I, but everybody else wouldn't. Right. Right. That's yeah. why. We're, that's why we're cool. The home video should be on DVD too, and I don't know if they, if they just don't want to talk to Sebastian. Well, no, asked him. No, yeah. no, that's another thing he, he's talked about in the past. You know that, that oh say can you scream? Hey, uh, appa- uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, that's a big problem. Uh, like I know Pantera wanted to get the you know those classic Pantera DVDs put on blu-ray right but the, the record companies right now their attitude is nobody is buying physical product anymore everybody is streaming or buying digital copies so they don't want to take the chance on producing you know you know you know putting out a physical copy and not selling and, and you know especially in the case of pantera all those home videos went platinum oh yeah you know those were huge sellers and you know thankfully i still have you know, I had them on VHS. Yeah, me too. And, and, and I, I have the DVD that has all three. Yep. And, and you think of anything that should be on fucking Blu-ray, it should be that. Absolutely. But the and record supposedly com- there's, there's a fourth one that they're they're yeah, working on, yeah. but that might not even come out. Right. And 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 I believe if it does come out, I don't believe it's going to be through the record company. I think yeah. it's going to be like independently, like how the Dime Visions were put out. Right. Uh, they just don't see it as a viable property right now, which is unfortunate. But uh, they're just looking at the trend. I mean, you know, a crazy thing I saw a couple months ago, I was looking at an article. Like, there's not that many people even making Blu-ray players anymore. Right. And that's the dominant format. But the thing is, now with streaming and stuff like Voodoo, people aren't buying physical product. They're just buying something they can stream. And I got a dude. I got a Voodoo account with like 400 movies on it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but the scary thing is, you know, I still like having my physical copy because if Voodoo goes down, and there's been a couple of like you know digital copy sites that have already you know gave up. Mm-hmm. You you could lose that. I mean, it even says if you read the fine print, you know, hey, if they go out of business and you already spent money, you're fucked. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But that's how the younger generation is. They don't care so much about physical product as long as they can watch it on their fucking uh, iPhone. They don't give a fuck. Right. And, and you and I both love Shout Factory. And uh, I'll pay the 30 bucks for a DVD to get you know, a Blu-ray to get oh, yeah. uh, all those bonus features and everything. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm a huge supporter of Shout Factory. But I got to admit, it, it's getting harder and harder because some of the prices on these Shout Factories are going through the roof like oh, the, they rec- are. the recent one they put out of creek show mm-hmm. is is 35 dollars yeah yep. you know when there's a lot of blu-rays now you can get for five bucks that include a digital copy right but i i understand that, that, that you know they spend money to put in you know the bells and whistles that true fans love but mm-hmm. we are in the minority absolutely i think the only physical product that's really they're putting any effort now is vinyl 
I think that's it. <laughs> right. So. And, and, and the same unfortunate thing for that, because they know it's a niche market. Right. And and, and man buns will pay after <laughs> the nose to, just to say they have it. Uh, you know, that it's grossly overpriced. Yep. Absolutely. You know? But to sum up this whole story, apparently Sebastian Bach's a real cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> on to the next story. Uh, this sucks. I Hate God drummer was threatened with a knife and robbed in Mexico. I thought he was stabbed. Yeah. That's what I heard earlier oh. today. Was knifed. That's oh, what I read. was he knifed? I, I, what, I know he that was, was the up. first story I saw. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't uh, seen any story since. It Aaron, was Stephen Adler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was aiming for himself, but he was yeah. so fucked up, he, he hit uh, Aaron Hill from I Hate God. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, I've met uh, all the I Hate guys. I Hate God guys. They're super cool people, hometown people here in New Orleans. And uh, that sucks. You know, but hey, that's the danger of going to fucking Mexico. Yeah. Fucking Guadalajara, you know, used to be safe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, but don't be a gringo walking around. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, and, and I hope he's okay, and I hope they didn't get much money. So, there you go. All right, well, Megadeth. Uh, now, now they've announced they have not yet begun recording the new album. They're just uh, composing right now. So saith uh, Kiko. And I ain't even going to try to play say his last name. But uh, very sad. Uh, to hear about, you know, the cancer diagnosis for Dave Mustaine. And, you, you know, just like anybody, you know, I, I've ragged the shit out of Dave because he can be a legendary asshole. But I've always, he's my favorite thrash guitar player of all time. I think he's a fucking genius. Um, and, man, I, I hope he pulls through, and I would love to hear another album that, you know, even if it's fucking half as good as uh, Dystopia, you know, that would be great to hear. Uh, luckily, if you go to the Rockin' uh, Pod 3, you can meet Dave Bellison, who originally, we couldn't announce it. He was originally going to be the first guest booked, but he couldn't do it because of dates uh, booked by uh, Megadeth. I think they were opening up for Judas Priest or something in Europe, and he had to cancel. And now, unfortunately, his schedule's free because of a tragedy, and he's coming. But uh, I, I wish Dave Mustaine you know, the best of luck, a quick recovery. Uh, he is a metal fucking legend, regardless of how many times he can say some stupid shit. I wish him a speedy recovery. And, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about, uh, you guys hope, you think we'll get a new album, or what do you think? Well, I don't know, man. He can't, you know, he's got throat cancer, so right. I think he can be singing. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Hey, I, mean, gotta... I, I don't think they're going to run into, I don't think he's going to tax his voice. No. Before he uh, goes into, you know, his, uh, you know, to check his throat, to, to cure the cancer. I don't think from here to there he's going to get near a microphone because it wouldn't be wise. Right, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking it could inspire some very, uh, you know, some, some great angry songwriting. I think he can still write, you know, and maybe, you know, hopefully once he gets stronger. And I, I hope he beats this, you, you know. And, 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 you know, after recovery, but I think this could really impact and, and make a great record. Or on the other hand, it could be some real sappy, you know, uh, bad shit too. But I hope it brings out the best in his writing and gives him a sense of fucking uh, urgency, something that can take his mind off of what he's going through and write like a really great, angry fucking Megadeth album because 
God, the, the world needs that shit, you know. Do you think if he ever lost his voice, they would get a singer? No, no, I, no. I don't. I don't see him do a Static X where somebody puts on a fucking uh, rap. He goes out there <laughs> and does his snarl. Uh, you know, th- there is no Megadeth without Dave Mustaine. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I mean, Jesus. I mean, that guy. I, I don't g- give a fuck any of the guitar players who've been in Megadeth. There's been some incredible guitar players. Dave Mustaine, in my opinion, is still hands down the best guitar player ever to grace that fucking band. The greatest riff writer. I mean, he's he is just fucking amazing. Uh, and I, I I just hope he he channels you know whatever's inside him right now into writing some incredible music. I hope he beats this shit, comes back, and just puts out a stellar fucking album. Well, he had adversity. I think it was with during the World Needs a Hero, or uh, where he kind of you remember he lost his feeling in it, his in his arm, he had nerve yeah. damage. So he he's been through you know deep shit like this before. So right, yeah, right. And uh, hey, uh, pray to his God, you know that something <laughs> something uh, fucking happens, man. I I wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely. All right. Well. This is pretty funny. This is a band. We just posted an episode today uh, on this band. Uh, you know, a different band for us here at the Rock and Roll Combat po- Podcast. Uh, a black metal band, Bohemoth. Uh, they, they just did a concert. Uh, it's called Roadskill Festival in Denmark. <laughs> oh, I saw and, this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and a guy getting his cock sucked during a, a death metal mosh pit. Yep. How awesome is that? And does she have a sister? Hot. Oh, it was a girl that did it? Oh, okay. Not that hot. I, I, I thought I saw a wall paint. But oh, yeah. yeah, well, it's hard to tell with the corpse paint. You know, it, yeah. could, have been, it, it could have been Greg Barnes. I don't know. I don't know. Two dudes in the mosh pit. That's right. Caught in the mosh. Oh, no. Yeah. Caught in the throat. Caught in the yeah. mosh. And all I'm going to say is, how tough is your mosh pit if you're willing to stick your cock in a girl's mouth where there's a chance she could get hit in the back of the fucking head? <laughs> well, that's not, you, don't underestimate all those crazy black metal motherfuckers from the frosty Turnus Forest. Those guys just don't give a shit. Stay frost. They're, they're hoping that shit gets fucking bit off. That's fucking black metal. Sorry for the mess. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit more partial to my cock, but I wouldn't stick it in a woman's mouth at a Christopher Cross mosh pit. <laughs> you know, yeah, when they're all in wheelchairs. Not black metal, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I wouldn't do uh, <laughs> Maybe I just have a little bit more to lose. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> budge when I get my dick sucked. I don't even want to. Either I'm on my back or I'm standing still. Fucking the mouth. <laughs> I don't move. <laughs> anyway, what else is going on? All right. Well, here's here's a story I'm happy to share because this is uh, something that was talked about on a good friend of our show, Josh Toomey's great podcast, Talk Toomey, who you can meet at the Rock and Pod Expo. Uh, great guy, great show, and, and a supporter of our shows, which is very important because most of those cocksuckers hate us. And Josh Toomey is actually a fan. <laughs> nice. So so I love getting the word out there. But he just recently talked to a friend of yours, Rouse, uh, former Overkill guitarist, Bobby Gutteson, 
explained ah, yeah. why he passed on Dave Mustaine's offer to join Megana. And uh, basically, Mustaine offered him a spot, you know, when the original guitar player Chris Poland left the band. And he, he kind of said it, it's like, ah, he, he goes, as honored as he was and how much he loved Megadeth, uh, you know, Overkill was just starting to do great with their second album, Taking Over. And he said he already kind of saw the dysfunction in Megadeth and also, you know, realized that this is Dave's band and you do whatever Dave says. And he said, you know, he felt he had much more freedom in Overkill and had much more of a voice. And he said, in hindsight, you know, he's still proud of his decision uh, because of how how important the first four, you know, studio Overkill albums are to him, and and how proud he is to be part of those. And uh, it's it's one of those things. That I think he made the right choice, maybe monetarily. Uh, he didn't, but uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome that he followed his heart and stuck to his guns, even though you know, you know, unfortunately. There was the breakup with uh, Overkill, but uh, Bobby seems like a really cool guy, and you know, Ralph, you you know more than us, but I'd really like to meet this guy, and we need to get him on our show, man, because uh, this is somebody I'd like to talk to. Well, I'll try. He, yeah, he's a super fucking cool ass guy, man. He played on one of our songs, well, on our Overkill cover. Right. And, uh, yeah, uh, you ha- know, I mean, ha- I- Hammerhead, right? Yeah, yeah, he did the solo on Hammerhead, and um, I did tell him, you know, I did tell him about this, but, well, I'm not going to go into, like, what he does now professionally, other than Satan's Taint, which is awesome, uh, they, they got a new album coming out, and uh, the first one's amazing, and the new one's going to have a, a sequel to Skull Crusher, so, That's awesome. I look, yeah, I look forward to hearing that, and, uh, well, you know, all I can do is, you know, I always bump into Bobby at shows. Right. So I might see him at Maiden. Maiden's next week. But if I see him, I'll hit him up again. You know, you know what I'm saying? If, if he can do fucking talk to me, he <laughs> can do Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Well, it all depends on time, the time of day, you know? Right. Well, yeah, if you can get him, I'll, I'll, I'll take off the day from work to do that. Right. I, I don't have a problem with that. If we, we get somebody of that caliber, to me, to me, that's an A-lister. You know, to some people, like, ah, over, no, overkill means a lot to me. We talk to him. I'll take the fucking day off. I get paid for it anyway. I work in the state. But uh, man, love. Uh, how how do you feel about Overkill, Brian? Are are you a fan? Or I'm not a big. I'm not a hater at all. Um, but for Thrash, no. I mean, I, I, I never really got into him like the other ones. I know that might be sacrilege for a lot, but uh, no. I don't, maybe it's an East Coast West Coast thing. So like. I'm more Testament because Testament's from here, and right. uh, I know Overkill is a big East Coast band, um, and and there's so many West Coast thrash bands out here. For some reason, uh, you know, it was funny because you were talking about the last Overkill episode, and uh, I I liked the Cover Kill album too, and then I started to go back and, and listen to Horoscope, and taking it was taking over, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, then I started to listen to that. But no, I never really I kept going with them, but I totally respect them, and I love hearing Blitz's interviews. All right, well, here's something I would love to see, but unfortunately, uh, this big tour consists of nothing but New York dates. And that is Joey Belladonna's classic rock band, uh, Chief Big Way. Mm. Have any of you guys ever seen any of the, the YouTube footage of this? 
Yeah, I think I seen them do Journey a couple years ago. Oh man, they, they, they do Journey, ACDC, ZZ Top, fucking Kansas, all kinds of shit that you love, Ralph. You know, shit I love too. You know, but uh, oh my god, it's really good. And Belladonna drums and sings. And it's really, really good. And I would love to see this. Joey's one of my favorite singers of all time. And uh, I, I got all excited about these U.S. tour dates. And it's like 27 dates. And they're all in New York, though, which I understand. He lives in upstate New York. Uh, but he is playing, like, all up and down New York. And if any of you live in New York, go check this shit out. Because this guy, not only is he a nice guy, Ralph, you met him, right? Yeah, yeah, many, many times. Yeah, super nice guy. And, uh, man, just to hear some classic fucking, you know, just classic rock from this guy. And to see him play drums, he's a pretty damn good drummer. Uh, check it out if you live in the New York area. It's Chief Big Way. Look on uh, Blabbermouth and you can see all the tour dates. And that's his true love, too, like that classic rock stuff. Oh, yeah. He fully admits it, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we got two stories left. Uh, this one's kind of sad, man, because I really dig this guy. Mick Brown is done playing drums for Dockin. Uh, now, if only Don would quit, and be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mick Brown, I, I mean, a, a solid fucking drummer. A decent singer that a lot of people yeah. don't know. Mary. Yeah, Mick's got a great voice, and, and when you see him live, he does a lot of background shit that helps old fucking Don up out. Uh, but uh, he's pretty much, you know, he's, I believe he's 61 or 62, and just saying that it's kicking his ass. You, you know, the physical demands of drumming, uh, of being on the road, and, uh, you know, it's sad, but it's, it's a fact of life. I mean, we just saw this with Neil Peart, you know, who just physically, there, there's too many ailments to keep playing drums. Uh, but I do respect him for, like, just saying he can't do it anymore. I think that takes a lot. Uh, you know, you got to swallow your pride and, and, and to be honest and, and, and to be honest with the fans uh, to say, man, I just can't do it at the same level anymore. And uh, I, I just find it sad because, you know, a lot of the bands that we love and look up to, you know, we're old and they're older than us, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this. And, uh, you know, I just wish him uh, a happy and healthy retirement. And I'm glad I got to see him play live, man. He's played on a lot of songs that I dig, you know, be it with uh, Dockin or Lynch Mob or, you know, all the other fucking incarnations that he's played in. And he's he's a true wild man. I mean, there's, there's crazy stories. Of, of Mick Brown and he deserved that wild nickname uh, so hats off to him and I wish him a happy retirement what do you guys say yeah I, I, I mentioned this somewhere I said uh, well hopefully he'll front a band cause yeah. I love that guy's voice you know and uh, that'd be cool yeah I, I said yeah, man, you should go front a band and you know uh, that, that song Crazy Mary off of Race of Slate is so much fun yeah. I love his voice on it. He's got a really cool fucking voice. So. See, I didn't check that one out. I never listened to that one. Also, Please. check out, oh, that, check that, out one. Yeah. That amazing. Check out One Live Night. It was kind of like the acoustic phase. Right, it, right. It, 
he sings uh, Tooth and Nail. Tooth and, and Nail, ba- yeah. Yeah, it's badass. He's, and he does it great. amazing. He does. He's super underrated. Yeah. But uh, one last story. Uh, this fucking cocksucking son of a bitch. Oh, do I hate this motherfucker. And, uh, you know, if you know who I'm talking about, and I think you do. <laughs> uh, Sammy Hagar says, David Lee Roth refuses to acknowledge that the Hagar era of Van Halen was more successful. Well, that's because Roth uh, refuses to think of uh, bullshit. Yeah. Because it wasn't more successful. Van Halen won 1984 alone, sold more than the whole discography of right. Van Halen. Uh, and then add in two Women, Children First, Fair Warning, Diver Down, all over million dollar sellers. Um, Sammy Hagar. I know this is old news, but I never knew he said this in his book because I never read his fucking bullshit book. He said on there that when Van Halen, before he joined Van Halen, they would close off the, the arena halfway because they couldn't fill arenas. He said that in his book. I saw somebody put a link to it. Oh, my like, God. You, you know, <laughs> and you know what's sad about this? People believe it. Yeah. Well, People well, believe it. Here, here's the thing that, that even more should shut the fuck out of Sammy Hagar, but he won't do it. Uh, and, and and this this is a fact that I take so much joy in that I have like three quarters of a heart on right now as I say it. Um, David Lee Roth has outsold Sammy Hagar as a solo artist yep. with mm-hmm. just two of his albums. With just Eat Him and Smile and Skyscraper alone. He's sold more than Sammy Hagar ever sold with, like, the 57 solo albums he has. So chew on that, you fucking Hagar fucks. You know, and this whole thing, you know, the whole thing is... is it's not. It's too hard to swallow, Ian. He, he, he keeps bragging about how the albums went to number one. And it can't, it can't help but remind me... Uh, uh, you know about the donations for the Rock and Pod Expo. There's a lot of podcasts out there that have more downloads than us, and they can't raise a red fucking cent. You know, uh, chart position means nothing. You you have to look at who they were up against, how established the band already was that they built. Okay, go back and look at the sales and what sells to this day. That tells you everything you need to know there. What's sold more, and what are people still buying to this day, and what aren't they buying? So chart position doesn't mean a fucking thing to anybody except Sammy Hagar. Okay. And, and also, look what the Dave era had to compete with, at least pop music-wise, you know? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, 1984 didn't go to number one. Yeah, yeah. What kept it off the charts? Oh, I don't know. Thriller? Greatest selling album of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so give me a fucking break. Give me a fucking break. Uh, This cocksucker just really needs to die. But first, his fans. You know, if I have my druthers. (laughs) First, his fans die a horrible death. And then, and then Sammy. So, so Sammy can see his two fans die, and then he kicks the bucket. You know, that gets me off, you know. Poor Mark and Bushy. <laughs> oh, my God. This cocksucker. You know, and the funny thing is, this son of a bitch 
is the richest out of everybody that was ever in the band because of his fucking tequila and shit like that. And he can't can't even be happy with that. He is just so fucking butthurt that he is a fucking side note in Van Halen now. You know? He had a time where they were popular, but over the course of time, that shit's been erased. Nobody gives a shit about those fucking ballads. The real shit, the cream always rises to the top, you know, and he's at the fucking bottom of a fucking tequila bottle. Just be happy that you suckered so many people out of fucking money and go the fuck away. I mean, really. Think of all the great people, the great recording artists that are are fucking dead. And just remember, this cocksucker's still alive. Okay? And then tell me there's a fucking god. If there is, his name's David Lee Roth. And I, yeah. I, I, I think he just lets Sammy live so he can be bitter. This fucking cocksucker. Fuck Sammy Hagar, but more importantly... Fuck his fans right in the fucking asshole. I hope you get cancer the fucking prick, you son. Well, if you're a Sammy Hagar fan, you don't have a prick. I hope you get I hope you get fucking cunt cancer. (laughs) That's enough news. Brian Davis, why don't you tell us why we're here today? Well, we're gonna discuss uh, both Ralph and and, and my one of our favorite bands, and that's Armored Saint. And Yeah, uh, they're better than KISS. Oh, man. What? Close. Yes, they're better than Kiss. That's oh what my I God! I know. <laughs> Everyone just dropped off right now, but no. I mean, I, we're going to talk about arguably uh, their best album, and, uh, and that says a lot because all of their albums are killer. And so we're going to talk about Symbol of Salvation. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I think I told you guys this before uh, on when we reviewed uh, Revelation. I got into Armored Saint by accident because I was getting into, uh, you know, Anthrax with John Bush. So, you know, Sound of White Noise. And my buddy was like, well, you've heard Armored Saint, right? And I'm like, who? <laughs> so he played me Simple Salvation. I'm like, this is my new favorite band. And I had to go back and, and get everything else, their, their first three albums and, and the live album. And uh, from there on, it's, you know, Armored Saint was one of my favorite bands. To me, they were like a new band because by that point, you know, they were done. They were always on hiatus. And, uh, you know, Simple Salvation is kind of a bittersweet album uh, for Armored Saint and their fans because many, again, say it's their finest album. But their founding guitar player, Dave Pritchard, died from leukemia during the writing of this album. And eight of the 13 songs were, were co-written by him. And then, ironically, Dave Jordan, who produced this album, ended up producing Sound of White Noise for Anthrax. So, uh, also the band was dropped by their label, uh, Chrysalis, and, and they were looking for another label, and they were never happy with Chrysalis. Uh, so they wanted to actually be on a label that actually cared about their amazing music. And uh, Metal Blade was the best fit for them going forward, so they released that Stopgap Live album. And then Dave got sick. And then the band was in limbo. And uh, once they decided to carry on after uh, Dave passed away uh, and they wanted to record all the, this great stuff that they uh, had written, they decided to go back to a five piece. And so they brought in Phil Sandoval, who was the original guitar player back on March of the Saint. And, and then they brought in Jeff Duncan, who was in Odin. And so if you watch Odin, the, that, Odin, <laughs> exactly, Odin. The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, um, you know, the you know, metal you, years. The Metal Years, it's amazing. And uh, what people forget is Duncan was actually in the band when when Dave Pritchard was in the band. He was starting to tour with them in 88. And so 
Uh, I think if you're new to Armored Saint, this is probably the best album to start with because you get a range of styles. You get power metal, power ballads, funk-inspired hard rock, straightforward classic rock, and I would say up to this point, it, it's their most mature-sounding album. And this should have been like their Black album, you know, uh, or, the, or at least the album that broke the band to a huge audience. And, and it just didn't happen, which is an absolute shame because, you know, and John Bush kind of alluded to the reason, you know, this album didn't take off like he thought. And so he kind of just had to join Anthrax. And, uh, you know, they put out the best album they could possibly have done and didn't take off. And that's the fucked up part about the mu music industry. You know, amazing stuff doesn't get it just due. And, uh, you know, that's why I think it's great that we should highlight all of Armored Saint and especially this album. Yeah. So Fuck underrated. Today, right? it, makes, it makes me want to just punch a baby. <laughs> right. Well, now that you said everything, there's nothing to talk about. Thank you, Brian, for being on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a great okay. album. Yeah. <laughs> Rain of Fire, fucking spineless awesome. All right, guys. All Here's right. the plugs. Good to hear you. <laughs> Ralph, what do you think about this one? Uh, what's your history with this one? Uh, yeah, I, I like Black Sabbath. I always have a problem with picking a favorite. I'm torn between this one and uh, Delirious. But I, I kind of give the edge to this one, but then sometimes I don't. Uh, but it's, it, it's every song is great. Every song is amazing. This album... <clears throat> like Brian said, it shouldn't not only be the back, the their black album, it should be the the back in black album. This yeah. should have, this should, they should be headlining stadiums instead of Guns N' Roses. Come on, you tell me Guns N' Roses is better than this? Are you serious? Seriously, you're gonna tell me Motley Crue, Rat, is better than this? Kiss is better than this? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> This band is so amazing, and I think this wait, 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 album... Wait, 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 are you trying to say this is a better album than Psycho Circus? Yes. Okay, good. It's better than any Kiss album ever. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, I'm telling the truth. Oh my God. Oh my God. So yeah, of course, this is the first time I saw him live on this tour. It was me and about... Funny about it, maybe, maybe Whoa. 10 people... Ten people? Now, now that surprised me. Is, is that because they just never came to Florida? Nope, they never been here. Wow. Okay. Their first time here was Symbol of Salvation. I never seen the great, great uh, Dave Pritchard. Um, and yeah, it was like, and it's funny because it was like me and ten people, and in that crowd was Ruben, who I didn't know back I then. I love that guy. Uh, David Lovett, who I, I I didn't know back then, and a handful of other people. Uh, that I didn't know back then. You know, all us future friends were at this show. And uh, I have video, and now you know me, and I do not have any shame on anything. On anything. Except one thing. Video of me with Armored Sa with Joey Vera and John Bush behind the button south. Oh, boy. <laughs> Nobody will ever see that. Oh, oh come on! I gotta oh, see that shit, dude. It makes me look like you know you you on a on one of your blackout episodes. <laughs> I was so drunk and I'm screaming like, "What was yours is now mine!" <laughs> and, and then going up to Joey, he's like, "Dude, the bass, the bass and release, bro, the fucking bass." <laughs> you totally fangirl, huh? <laughs> oh my god, it was fucking embarrassing looking at that. And, and I'm so drunk and I'm like, "Hey, man." 
Can I take my camera inside and film you dudes? <laughs> and they were like, nah, I don't think so. Oh, I gotta see that. No, you won't. That's maybe maybe, maybe I'll, I'll rip the audio. I from slept it, but... on your couch. What if someone oh, donated two hundred dollars? Yeah, no, 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 nobody's ever gonna see this. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I'm a huge, huge Armored Saint fan. Have been since I first heard, you know, the lesson we'll learn on Metal Massacre 2 and also, uh, you know, the EP, March of the Saint, all that shit, man. Uh, Raising Fear. I own everything Armored Saint. I'm a humongous fan. Hey, I flew to San Jose where Brian Davis was at the same show. That's oh, right. So you To know see Armored Saint. So you, you know, know the, you know the way to San Jose. Uh, yeah, you just take you know you awesome. go on the, you know uh, you, you on take an airplane. A, you take a left at Albuquerque. That's okay. right. <laughs> and what oh, a amazing show that was! I mean, that was amazing. That, yeah, yeah. That was my second time seeing Armored Saint. I think I only seen him one more time after that with uh, Queensrÿche. So I've seen mm-hmm. Armored Saint a total of four times. Yeah. But uh, that would have been different if they came down here a lot, you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, you guys are lucky bastards because I've never seen them live. They're amazing live. It's a sight to see. Yep. Awesome. But, uh, all right, Ian, tell us uh, your story. I'm going to grab a little water. Go ahead. All right. Well, mine, uh, I have I have no self-defense in this because I remember seeing the video for Reign of Fire and absolutely loving it. But for whatever reason... Uh, I didn't pick up the album, uh, you know, and, and then you would have thought because I totally embraced the uh, the John Bush era of Anthrax, and uh, you know initially I was like, no, no, there is no Anthrax without Joey, you know. But the minute I heard only, I was like, oh fuck, I'm totally on board. I, I loved all the fucking uh, John Bush era Anthrax albums. I saw all the fucking tours. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just never went back and checked out Armored Saint. And probably, you know, even as much as Ralph talks about how much he, he loved Armored Saint, uh, Brian, you are really the one that got me to go back and check these guys out. Oh, that's awesome. Because, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I love Ralph, but he's kind of a prick. I'm like, Brian <laughs> Davis, he, he's got really good taste, not only in mu- music, but movies. I really, I really do. I, you, you are a connoisseur of good taste, sir. I thank uh, you. Yes, and I, I, I thank you, mm-hmm. and, and and I love that that. What is this? Our second or third Armored Saint album second. review? Yeah. Se- se- second. Uh, it, it seems like three because you're so long winded. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, you really made me go back and, and take another look at this band, and. It's, it's just amazing. It's, it's paid back in fucking spades. And the funny thing is, uh, while I love all of the Armored State albums, uh, the two that you have picked for us to review are my two favorites. Nice. And I go back and forth on this one and Revelation as, uh, as my favorites. I mean, I mean, God damn, you know what to pick. <laughs> uh, and, and this is just... It's, it's a really good album. I think this is the best that the band ever sounded up to this point. I, th- I think, you know, Dave Jordan, who is a hero of mine, because he's produced some amazing, amazing records yeah. uh, th- that I love, you know, be it, you know, 
Armored Saint, Alice in Chains, uh, Anthrax, uh, fucking Jane's Addiction. You know, he's engineered the Rolling Stones, Talking Heads. I mean, I mean, amazing albums that I love. Turbo uh, Faster. Turbo Faster. Yeah, he uh, he the was. Uh, yes, yes, he was a co-producer on the first Turbo Faster album. Uh, you know, but <laughs> but uh, you know, he 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 didn't use uh, his own name on that one. Uh, it was uh, Alan Swipe. Or what, what? What is it when you when a director doesn't want to use his name? Alan, uh, Alan Swite. Yeah, yeah, Alan Swite. Yeah, that's him. But no, uh, did a great job producing this. And, uh, you know, we'll get into it. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm torn. Is it this or Revelation is my favorite? But wow, what a great album that people really need to go back and listen to. And uh, I love that our audience is so open that they listen to... Uh, our episodes, whether they know the band or they like the band, you know, so many of, of our, our audience are open-minded and say, hey, we just want to hear you guys talk about it, but take this shit to heart. Uh, and hopefully, you know, when, when in post-production when Ralph adds, you know, the songs in the background, you can feel the magic that's there on this, and it makes you go back and check out this, uh, this awesome album. And I love that, uh, I believe, on the Vieira Vault, uh, Brian, you and Ralph did a discography of uh, Armored Saint. We did, and it was yes, uh, that was a yes. blast. Yeah. Yes, I, I love that. I listened to that, and and you said that that got back to Armored Saint, right? That they heard that. That's what I heard. I heard Gonzo heard it and and uh, gave it a thumbs up. So. Oh, that's awesome. Th- yeah. That's a, that's amazing. Well, I I hope they hear this review and they're patient enough to go this far into it <laughs> that they they hear us suck their collective dicks. Oh, they were like fucking. These guys are hilarious. I'm staying, staying tuned in. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the. And I want to encourage them. I, I just read uh, that that they're getting ready to write a new record. And I just want to yeah. say to them right now, keep going because there's idiots like me who weren't there in the beginning that are there now and that will support whatever you do. Please go on tour. Please come to fucking New Orleans for the love of God. Let me let let me see you guys live. But don't give up because this is an awesome band and new people discover this shit all the time. Thanks to podcasts like ours. Thanks to you, Brian Davis. Uh, you know, I, I love that you keep shoving Armored Satan down people's throats because it's important. Like, this is a band that for whatever reason, and I, like I said, I can't explain. I love Random Fire, but I never bought the album. I don't know why, but I didn't. But... It's never too late for you to discover a great band and, and keep going Armored Saint because you're putting out great new albums. People are discovering you. There is a place in metal and hard rock that needs to be filled with great music like this. So thank you, Brian, for picking this out. Oh, my thank pleasure. Brian. And, and Ian, you brought up how our audience is open. Yes. But uh, we have a, a bunch of females that listen to us and none of them have opened their legs for me. <laughs> What's up with that? Look, look, my band, I had some girls over my legs. My, my, even my fucking radio show had some open legs. What's going on, Ian? Uh, I had one woman open up to me, and then it turned out to be Lee Gertzman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same thing with me, and I inserted in everything, but it doesn't count. Yeah, and the I'm thing talking that, to the females. And the thing that sucks is since Lee Gertzman has prostate removed, I can't feel a thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I might as well be yeah. 
I might as well be fucking a vagina. <laughs> no, when, I, when I was banging Lee Gertzman, I had that same feeling. I was like, man, I can't feel anything. It's like I'm banging Ian's mom. <laughs> fuck, fuck bugs on cheese. It was like a hot dog down a hallway. You know, write a song <laughs> about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A hot Let, dog thrown in the Grand Canyon. It's all into the outdoor. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Gertzman doesn't even have an asshole anymore. He just has a smile. <laughs> you know? It's terrible. That shit's wow. all Here they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, without further ado, Brian, you are our very special guest. Uh, why don't you talk about the opening track, Reign of Fire? Good recover. Uh <laughs> Amazing opener. This, I mean, this is arguably one of their best songs. Uh, actually, all of their album openers are kick-ass, and this actually might be the best, which which is, says a lot. John Bush comes out smoking with his, you know, his patented rasp. He's hitting all the those amazing screams going into the chorus, and, and the, really, this is what makes Armored Saint unique to other metal bands. They have a groove that, like nobody else. Uh, they can be heavy at the same time. And then you have John Bush, who is essentially, uh, to me, has the perfect metal you know, or hard rock voice. Uh, he can be melodic when he wants to, or he can channel his inner Steven Tyler, and he can scream when, when it calls for it. Uh, it's perfect. And, and this song sets the tone for the entire album. You've got these buzzsaw riffs throughout the song. Joey Vera's keeping the groove the whole way through. And then towards the end, the double bass pedals from Gonzo. Uh, and if you listen really closely, Joey Bear starts to throw in some awesome bass fills with a with a double bass, and it's terrific. It's a perfect way to start the album. The music was actually written by Dave Pritchard, which is only fitting because he, you know, one of his songs should have started off the album. Now, some cool fun facts is, according to John Bush, the band uh, around the time they were writing this went to go see the movie The Witches of Eastwick, which yep. of course had Jack Nicholson and Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon. And I guess Dave Pritchard Bobby Dahl. Yeah, Bobby Dahl. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and David Pritch- and yeah, Dave Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave wanted uh, to write a song about the, about the girls and magic, and uh, and he was totally inspired by the Jack Nicholson character. So uh, de- definitely the song is better than the movie, so I'm, I'm glad Rain of Fire got made. And Bobby Dahl wasn't actually in the movie. He, he, he was in charge of catering. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking turn back time. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ian, you want to take this? Oh, fuck yeah. I love this song. This isn't a three-way tie for my favorite Armored Saint song of all time. And uh, that three-way tie is this song, Den of Thieves, uh, which was written around this time but not put on the album, and uh, Chill. Those are those are my three favorite Armored Saint songs of all time, but I don't know. I'm feeling if you go pound for pound, this has got to be uh, probably my favorite Armored Saint song of all time. I just fucking love this. I love that this was uh, musically written by Dave Pritchard, uh, just to show you know what an influence he had on this album, and it's so sad about his you know untimely passing. And, uh, you know, another thing I, w- I want to push to people who, if you get turned on by this episode, if you can still find it, go buy the three disc edition yes. that has, that has not only, uh, this album and, you know, remastered, it has, uh, demos for every song, but the instrumental. And it also has an interview 
uh, disc that is very awesome. Where not only do they talk about the making of it, uh, but they go song for song, talk to the producer Dave Jordan. I mean, there's so much cool shit. I mean, to me, this this is a great, great metal album that uh, deserves this kind of treatment. And, and that's something I would love out of like all my favorite albums. I would love something where they do that, where they discuss like everything you want to know about the album, and you can get that if you get that special edition, which I believe you can still get through Metal Blade. Uh, might be a little bit more now, but it's fucking worth it. So Absolutely. check that out. But Reign of Fire, I mean, what a way. What a fucking way to open this album. Uh, and the, the sound of this album. And I got to give major props to Dave Jordan, which I already talked about. I think he's an incredible producer, engineer. Uh, so many of my favorite albums he's done. Uh, he found a way to tighten up their sound but without the risk of losing the heaviness. It's just, you know, it's just a bigger punch. Uh, and and I, I truly believe at this point, this is their best sounding album. I mean, I mean, Dave Jordan really got these guys. And if you listen to the interviews, uh, you know, they're saying like, where management's like, well, we need somebody to do this and do that. And Dave Jordan was like, no, you guys got this. You know, you guys can do this. We just need to, you know, tweak here and there, you know, but we don't need to change who you are. And I think he brought out the best possible sound. This is an amazing sounding album, and what a way to kick it off. Uh, favorite track on the album by far. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, dude. It's on fucking rules. Bombastic. It's the perfect opener and perfect first single for the album. You know, everything awesome about Armored Saint in one song. It's pounding, incredible vocals, a badass groove. A killer guitar solo and a twin guitar attack at the end of the guitar solo. It's all around a perfect song. That's what I think. Alright, next track. Dropping Like Flies. Oh man, another killer track with that groove. Love that middle section before the solo. And that part where it goes, drop in, smash in, die in. It's a smoking track and did that solo. Those solos in this song, uh, Dropping Like Fly, is a killer, right, Brian? Oh, it's amazing. The dual guitar work. Uh, this is another Dave Pritchard track. So uh, this one's actually a little bit different for them. It, it's a bit more melodic, but it's not commercial at all. And and like Ralph said, it's essentially it's got the essential Saint groove, but doesn't sound like anything they'd ever done before, which is super cool. And I'd say this is uh, the most diverse second song they've ever done uh, on an album to this point. Because before that, you got Can You Deliver, Nervous Man, and then their cover of Saturday Night Special, and they're all rippers. So in a sense, early on, you get a, a you know, you get a sense that this is a different type of Armored Saint album, but not in a bad way. Uh, again, great guitar work by Phil and Jeff, and, and that's definitely the highlight of the song for me. And uh, interestingly enough, and, and this is about the, uh, the theme was about the industry folks kind of losing their jobs, meaning the record industry folks, and the band sort of had a, you know, a contentious relationship with Chrysalis before that. So they're kind of seeing the karma uh, of these, you know, so-called experts who make or break bands, and then they get dropped from their own gigs. So there's the whole dropping like flies. Uh, what do you think, Ian? All right, dropping like flies, man. I fucking love this one. And uh, 
what I like about this is, man, it's a kick-ass album track, you know, as, as number two. Uh, like, Brian, Brian always comes up with the best fucking, you know, comments ever, so at least we have not much to say, but he hit the nail on the head. It is a different uh, type of track. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a single song, but it's an album track, and, and that, to me, is almost even more important than the singles, because this is the glue that holds it together, that makes it an album that you listen to that where you don't skip songs, you know, where, where you know, you're not just like, oh, I want to hear that video song. Uh, no, you want to put it on, you leave from start to finish, drop it like flies, fucking kicks ass. Great, great way to follow up uh, Reign of Fire. And then we go into the next song, which is Last Train Home. Now, this one, uh, and this one was written by the, you know, the newest member, Jeff Duncan. This one I would call killer filler, but I don't mean that as an insult. Because I really like this song, but to me, uh, you know, it has zero single potential. Uh, it's not a standout track, but it's a solid track. Uh, I, I do dig this song. I like it more than what it sounds like, how I feel about it. Uh, but it, it's a decent track, but it's not It's not a standout nor a single. It's just what I would say, killer filler. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, it's absolutely the most... Com- commercial and uh, mainstream you know mainstream accessible song that the band has ever done but again it's, it doesn't feel forced um, you know this song actually should have been a major hit for them you, you get the huge chorus the riffs aren't crazy heavy you know to scare off the non-metal crowd just a really well done mid-tempo rock song that should have done well on rock radio at the time and as Ian said it was written by Jeff Duncan and uh, you know he was in the band when Dave Pritchard was still alive and so Dave heard some of Jeff's riffs and, and this one stood out to Dave and a really cool guitar solo that goes back into the breakdown. However, the highlight of the track for me has always been the last two minutes of the song. When John Bush sort of changes the chorus to go to even higher octave, uh, oh, it just gives me chills. You know, you're the last track home. You know, it's amazing and, and it's brilliant and then it segs into the guitar solo which is soars and, and that's what really sells the song for me. Uh, there's a funny story that John tells about the video for this song. So I guess it was in competition on MTV on a, a <laughs> show called Skull Crusher. And they ended up losing to Danger Danger, which shows you how stupid those, those competitions could be. Uh, man, Ralph, what do you think? Well, what you just said, I'm glad MTV's gone. I yeah. really am. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Stay away. No, no, fuck you. Danger Danger over this. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. That's why I can give a fuck about MTV. Naughty, that, naughty. And that's why I, I was hating MTV at this time. When, you know, everybody, ah, oh, Headbangers Ball. Let me tell you, man. When Ricky joined the Headbangers Ball, you started getting these fucking garbage. Not only like the hairband crap. You know, I mean, shit that wasn't metal. You know, Green Day's not metal. Yep, Offspring. You know, and, you know, offspring and you know the industrial shit. Yeah, I like some of it, but it doesn't belong on Ed Bennett's ball. And neither does danger fucking danger. Jesus Christ. It belongs on the ball sucker's ball. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, because nobody was cute. Like danger yeah. danger and all yeah. that saying. Hey, and, and in all fairness, you know, when, when danger danger's at the rock and pod next year, I'm gonna tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> Great guitar player, Andy Timmons. But yeah, still, oh man. yeah, saw him yeah, open up it, for it, fucking Uli John Roth. It, but he's, it, it's, it's, oh, 
But yeah, okay, this song's fucking awesome. You know, I love the the chill verses and you know, it just Bush sounds so amazing and you know, it's and I, especially when, you know, uh Joey would come in and sing with John during some of those uh lines, man. It's fucking it's such a great 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 song. Um but honestly, I, I, I think this was a mistake to make a single out of it because, man, there's better songs on here, on this album yes. that would have been, that I think would have been more accessible, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not taking nothing away from Lost Train Home. But I, you know, and, and I'm not talking like, you know, like, you know, the Danger Danger crowd, you know. Um, but, you know, I mean, some. Yeah, some, yeah. But, some but people who like metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, yeah, exactly. Like, this, I think some of the future songs, it would have propelled them. Yeah. And shit, I even think there's a melodic song coming up that, I'll tell you this right now, it's tied for my favorite song on this album. Mm-hmm. Would have been a much better single, but I'll talk about that when we get there. Is it my turn to go to the next one? Yeah, yeah. go ahead and take the next uh-huh. one, Tribal Dance. Tribal Dance. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that killer tribal drumming, you know, and then the fucking killer bass lick. Joey comes in with that chill guitar going on, and then, bam, that fucking groove that fucking kills. This has one of the stinkiest grooves on the album, and I love that. You know, it's a, it's a full moon yayo de coca, son of a malaka. Everybody gonna do the tribal dance. Dude, fuck you, all right? Molly Crew, <laughs> Rat, Kiss, can never write a song this kick-ass. Fuck you. You know who I'm talking to. You know who I'm talking to. Danger, you know, anybody danger. That, anybody thinks that fucking Motley Crue, Rat, and Kiss are better than this, I'm talking to you. <laughs> this band is ridiculously underrated. Hey, and look, the proof look, is all Mick, in this song. Leave Mick Watkins out of this. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, Mick. <laughs> Mick's in that band. Yeah. Wow, Rod. Right? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, so... um. <clears throat> Yeah, the proof is here, man. This is the fucking band better than those goddamn bands. Travel Dance is an amazing song. Solid 10, and it's not tied for my favorite. That's how badass this fucking song is, right, Ian? Uh, well, I gotta disagree. All right, no, no, wait, 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 shut up. Brian, I know you're gonna slam it. I want to hear some positivity. (laughs) <laughs> Come on. Come on, Brian. All right. Hell yeah. This, the, the last two songs were kind of like slow burners. So if, if you have never listened to this album before, old school fans are probably listening to it and thinking, okay, when is the band going to start ripping? You know, but that's where Tribal Dance delivers. Holy shit. What a fucking groove on this song. It, it's one of the most killer riffs the band has ever recorded. And then you get a tribal drum, drum intro, which is Smokes. And I believe that Dave Pritchard brought in the initial riff. But the music is co-written, uh, you know, with David, Dave Pritchard, Joey Vera, and Gonzo. The tribal drums in the beginning were actually done by Dave's high school friend, who was kind of a guru of sorts. He's very spiritual. He studied in India about percussion and, and percussion instruments. And uh, Gonzo uh, ended up studying with the guy as well. So then when they actually went into the studio uh, when the album was being recorded, they brought in the guy to lay down the intro. And so that totally adds to the authenticity of the, you know, the tribalness, if that's a word, uh, of the song. And this song always rules in concert. It's a surefire way to get the crowd into the show. 
And so it, it's a perfect use of gang vocals, too. And then you get that huge tribal dance. And then when John Bush repeats it on his own, it's a brilliant use of the call and response. It's a, just a really well-crafted, funky, heavy song. And uh, the song itself is about the fallacy and the hypocrisy of the drug war. It's sort of like the movie Traffic. You can't have a war on drugs without drugs themselves. The two need each other. So to eliminate drugs completely would kill millions of dollars spent on trying to keep them out. You gotta love it. So and I and I, piss I, off Ian too. <laughs> exactly. And how would I have a job? You know, that would be yeah, <laughs> as my mule. So Ian, what do you think? Well, uh, wait, 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 before you go, Ian, I, I want to apologize to you okay. <laughs> <laughs> for abruptly, for abruptly killing his review and going to Brian. I'm, I'm sorry. No, In no, retrospect, it was funny. No, no, I, no I, I totally get that. It don't make sense once I talk about this. Uh, <laughs> this. This is my least favorite song on the album. Uh, but that is not to say that it's a horrible song. Because uh, I don't think there's a bad song on this album. Spoiler alert. Uh, but this would be my my least favorite. And I don't, I don't know if it's the... The chorus or the whole thing, like tribal dance. I don't. I, I think the only, uh, you know, song I like with dance in the title is like, you know, like maybe Dance 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 by Rad or Flash Dance. But uh, those two that. songs are better than this. Uh, uh, right. Well, I, I can understand that other one, but right. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, Flash Dance. <laughs> Uh, I'll take Flashdance over that stupid rap song. Oh, okay, Lord. What's, how's that one go? Ian's a maniac, a maniac. Yeah, yeah, that's dance, good. Dance, dance. Oh, uh, man Eater, that song is <laughs> terrible, but I'll take it over, Dan. Uh, but no, I mean, I mean there's something about this I couldn't get into. And I listened to this album, like I said, like five or six times today at work. Uh, all I did today was listen to fucking Symbol Salvation. Uh, but th- this is my least favorite. Again, not a horrible, not like a, like, uh, but, uh, this- <laughs> yeah, English. Um, well, Ian, did you? What he said. Uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my least favorite. I don't know what, there's just something miss about this. I don't well, think. Why didn't the tribal dance though? Do you agree? What's that? Uh, he's nuts. It's been a while. It's been a while. I hit you with a whistle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't hate it, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely not my favorite. I think if you saw it live, you, you might change too because it's killer live. So uh, yeah. maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I never saw it live, but uh, I, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the next song. Cool. Truth, truth always hurts. Now this one. To me, sounds really different for Armored Saint because it's got a really like sleazy groove to it that I fucking love. And uh, you know, maybe it's because uh, again, this is one from Jeff Duncan, a new member. Him and, and Phil Savadal, uh, Sambadal. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that shit wrong. Sandoval. Anyway, Sandoval. There yep. you go. Uh, but I, I like it. I, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, but in a good way. There's kind of I don't want to say you know you know cock rock because it's definitely like you know better than that, but there's like a maybe almost like an Aerosmithy kind of vibe to the guitar playing on this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but I just love it, and I love what what John Bush does with this because 
Uh, and, and you hit on this, Brian. Bush can sing anything. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he can do the heavy shit. He can do the melodic shit. He can do, like, just straight up, like, doesn't matter what type of music, you know, singing. Uh, he is the ace in the hole in this fucking band. And there's a reason why Anthrax snatched his ass up. There's a reason why Metallica, you know, was thinking about, like, getting him as a singer and Headfield just playing guitar. And I know people hear shit like that and they're like, oh, no, fuck that shit. Because, yeah, because you've never heard it. All you can imagine is James Headfield singing. But there's a reason why all these other bands looked up to this guy. Because of the range that he has. Because... He can do the heaviest of the heavy. He can do straight up melodic. He can do standard metal. He can do a fucking ballad. This guy can do it fucking all. And he can pull off a song like this, which I think musically is very different for Armored Saint. But you add those vocals and the way he pulls this off, and it fits perfect within the Saint family, you know, within the, you know, the genre of all their songs. I really dig Truth Always Hurts. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, this is tied for my favorite song on the album. I can't nice. pick between this one and one that's coming up, but the pacing of this song is fucking killer. That's why I love this band so much. You know, to write a song like this is something I think only Armored Saint can pull off. You know, Ian, you should go back and listen to Over the Edge off the Lear Nomad. Yes. It, it has this vibe. That's what I thought, you too. Know? Not, not, and, and believe me, believe me, over the edge, I give a 10. Okay, this one, well, I, this one I give a 20. I, w- I will say that that is an album that I still haven't fully digested, so I will yeah, go back and need, check you, that out. You need, just listen to that song, you know, over the edge, and then, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't sound the same, but it's the same vibe. Yep, right. You know? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's hard to point out what it is. You know, it's hard rock with a dash of blues and an overload of fucking awesome. You know, this 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 fucking riff going on. And when it goes a little higher, and then you add John's soulful voice. It's so powerful. You know, it's like, and that little breakdown, you know, as John chills. And then he screams his ass off. Yeah. You know, this, this song just flat out owns. And and I'll tell you this, and uh, this is a song that was a grower. It took me many, many listens to realize that this was definitely a standout track. Uh, I always loved it when I first heard the album. Yeah, it's a cool tune, but it, it, it's propelled. This, is, this one's definitely a grower. Like, if you let this shit grow on you, forget it. It becomes herpes, man. You'll never get rid of it. And it flares up a lot. <laughs> Thank you. What do you think, Brian? Well, yeah, and, and Ian kind of touched on it. These guys are all friends, too. Like, they're still very... I mean, Gonzo and Phil are brothers, like, literally blood brothers. And uh, But Joey and John are, like, like they're best buddies. Like, and, and, oh, and, they, oh, and they all they all met, met in elementary school. Right, right. And so they've always had that connection. They've never really had a falling out, uh, for the most part. I mean, Phil had his issues, but... You know, obviously, he came back in the band, so I think that definitely lends itself to why these guys are so connected to each, you know, with each other. Uh, but for the truth, always hurts. I mean, how do you follow up a burner like Tribal Dance with an amazing mid-tempo track that should have been a radio hit as well? This is that, so, and th- yeah, yeah and, and Brian, this is the one. This is the one I think should have yeah. 
replace Last Train Home as a sure. single. I, I agree. I, I agree. This could have had a big impact and, and yep. brought in an, another audience to this band. Yeah. yeah, with the melodic nature and, and, and it appeals to fucking metalheads. Yeah, and, awesome. and, and, and it had that kind of sleazy vibe yeah. of, of the cock rock that was popular, but it was also metal enough to keep like the Judas Priest and the Iron Maiden fans. You know? And it had a vibe that was non-plastic. Yes. It was very natural, organic. Yes. It wasn't your, yes. you know, we need a lever tonight. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, the, the song's accessible without selling out. And, and then that's where John Bush's vocals just shine on this track. And he's got this swagger. He's got the raspy soul that only he can sell. And, and just wait for the scream towards the end of the track. It, it's awesome. And Ralph, I wrote this down. Has an over-the-edge sort of feel from Julius Nomad. We're just lockstep yeah. there. Yeah, this song, the song to me had to be influenced by the great rock bands of the '70s. You know, Ian mentioned yeah. Aerosmith. Well, this could have been like the Coverdale Hughes era of Deep Purple. Uh, it's got that sort of bluesy swagger. It, it's why Saints always been one of my my favorites, and and they can do any style. Sounds natural. Uh, the music music was co-written by Phil and Jeff. The intro riffs from Phil. The song is supposedly about a girl that John used to date or know back in the day. And so he was kind of like telling her to back off a bit. You know, the truth always hurts. And uh, interesting note, and Ian will really be interested in this. The song Den of Thieves, which is Ian's favorite from Revelation. Oh, this was, I love it. Yeah, this was written and uh, demoed at the same time as Truth Always Hurts. Yes. And Den of Thieves almost made this album. Yeah, so. Yes, I, I, I did know that by listening to the... Uh, through this special edition, which right. I recommend everybody go and get. Uh, and, and yeah, they, they, they talked about how Den of Thieves, they just felt like it didn't fit in with the rest of it. And and, and the way I, I, I can totally understand that, and there's nothing wrong with saving it for another album. Uh, but man, it just shows you the depth of this band and what they could do. And, uh, you, you know, they're, they're not a one-trick pony. You know, they, they have a lot of cards up their sleeves, and they're all aces. I love this shit. Yeah. Truth always hurts, bro. What? Oh yeah. What, what are you gonna compare this to? Like fucking rattlesnake shake. Did it? Did it? Shake, <laughs> shake, shake. Shake your love. I just can't shake your love. Sicey your pie. Oh fuck you. Time for a change. Time for change. Uh, oh man. Get mad and go away, Motley Crue. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, now that's a fucking T-shirt. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Brian, how about Half Drawn Bridge? Sure. This is the instrumental. It was uh, written solely by uh, by Joey Vera. It, it's well done, uh, but it seems kind of be misplaced in, in the middle of the album. Also, I'm not sure it really had to be a, a standalone song. Uh, it, it, I think it should have just been the beginning of the next track. However, it does kind of have that, that Jeff Beck, Gary Moore sort of vibe to it. But as it turned out, it really wasn't meant to be on the record at all. Uh, Joey was playing in the studio. The producer, uh, Dave Jordan, heard it and said it should have been on the album. So this is likely the reason it wasn't tacked on to the next song. Uh, but the title of the song actually is a great story. It comes from an unfinished Dave Pritchard drawing where he actually drew Joey as a troll because his, uh, Joey's nickname was Troll. Uh, so Joey's under a bridge. And so Dave would do all these drawings when he was sick in the hospital from his leukemia treatments. So hence the title "Half Drawn Bridge," which is a, a amazing double meaning. So it's you know the drawn as the, the actual drawing, and then half open as the bridge itself. And so uh, in that way, it was a really cool title. But as for the song, it, it's it's 
it's interesting, but I'm not sure if it's essential, you know, to be a standalone track. Uh, Ralph. Yeah, you know, it's a short instrumental. You know, I, the bass kind of sounds like it's backwards. Yeah. And uh, and nice, nice, clean playing. You know, it's pretty much an intro. Uh, not really much to say about it, but I, I don't mind it. It's it, it it's uh, it's just a little thing for uh, uh, for the next song. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, I, I, I kind of agree with both of you on this, and I'm I'm kind of torn because. I have a big issue with a lot of stuff like this where it's like, you know, does this really deserve, you know, is it stand out enough to have its own name or should it be part of the song, you know, and, and so many times I find it to be where it should just be the intro, it shouldn't be that, uh, but I do love it, it's beautiful, it's written by Joey Vera, uh, who I think is is just along with John Bush in my opinion, the most important member of this band. I think Joey is so fucking talented. Yep. Uh, you know, and and, and, and I, I would also relate that to, I think a lot of people should check out the Joey Vera era, what I call, in my opinion, of Fate's Warning. Mm-hmm. Because Fate's Warning is a band that, you know, a lot of people, you know, that are into progressive metal and shit like that, it's near and dear to their heart. They love those early Fate's Warning albums. I actually get a lot more out of the era of Joey Vera. I, I think he added something unique to that band, something that made him a little bit more accessible and uh, and something I can get into than the earlier Fates Warning. I think he's a very talented guy, and I love this instrumental. I think it sounds great. I don't think it flows well into the next song. Uh, not that it's bad, but just like sometimes, you know, you got something like uh, the Hellion that goes perfectly right. into, a, into Electric Eye, where this one sounds something totally different than the song it goes into. Uh, I mean, it, kind of similar, but not enough to where it sounds like it fits together like, you know, some Legos and shit. It's, it's just a really neat instrumental uh, that could or couldn't have been left off the fucking album, uh, but I like it. I, I I really do like it. I just don't think it has that flow uh, into the next song. That's my only bitch. Not in in and of the song itself. I think it's perfect, but it just doesn't. It doesn't seem like a natural fit into the next song, which I'll take another day. Uh, I love this one. I love this one. A great like. I really hate to call it a power ballad because it's better than that. You know, this isn't like, you know, the standard run-of-the-mill ballad that you would hear in this era where it was the obligatory ballad. You know, it's the one that you had to have for the second single. This seems like a heartfelt song that they just wrote because they needed to get it out. And how a ballad should be and how I think the best ballads are. You know, uh, Seeds of Wither, you know, wasn't, you know, Columbia saying, Aerosmith, you got to have a ballad. It's something they wrote because it's something they felt, something they had to get out. Yeah. And I, th- I think Another Day works like that. And I also think it's heavier, much heavier than your standard ballad. Uh, but it is more of a mid-tempo song, and it's a great, great fucking song. Uh, that, that is another example of... You know, people, you think you know Armored Saint, you might have heard one song, 
but you didn't care for that. This is something I think could appeal to a different audience, and and that's why I always try to do, you know, what I do on my radio show. That's why I don't let people pick a song, because if you give me a, uh, I want to try to do that. Like, okay, you might not like their single. You think you know this band because of the single that you heard, but this band has more to offer. And that's the song I want to play to try to convert more fans to the certain band. And that's how Another Day works for me. Uh, you know, this isn't, you know, heading for a heartbreak. And I love that song. But, you know, it's not that type of ballad. This is more of a mid-tempo hard rocker. And it's a great, great fucking song. And another one that, that you know, written by the late, great Dave Pritchard. And uh, I, I think it's so awesome how much of an impact he had on this album. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, he had that impact on the band alone. You know, he was a really special part of this band. And, you know, that they went through the tragic, you know, loss of, you know, not only him as a member, but of his life, you know, but honored what he wrote and added it to this band uh, makes this a very, very special album. And, while they do that, they also, you know, they don't take anything away from Jeff Duncan, you know, the new player. They let him add his flavor, and it makes for a really great mulligan stew, you know, <laughs> uh, for kids my age that had to watch that shit in grade school. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's what makes this album so special, and you add that to the excellent production of Dave Jordan. Uh, I love Another Day. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, and actually, to go back to another good uh, instrumental that bleeds into a song, the last uh, Judas Priest album, uh, Guardians, goes into Rising from the Ruins. I think that's where, I think that stood out better uh, going into another song. But going into another day, uh, John Bush really gets to shine in on this one because he shows his diversity, his range with his vocal style, as we've mentioned, you know, a bunch of times. The song really does kick in at about the halfway point, and then you get some really, uh, really terrific melodic solos, uh, both Phil and Jeff channel Dave on this, and and they had to because they were replicating his demos that he had done uh, in '89 and '88. And so another song that this could have been a radio hit, or maybe if they'd done a video for it, maybe they would have played it outside of Headbangers Ball. I don't know. Uh, but lyrically, it could be said that this song is about what Dave was going through health-wise, but it could also mean what the band as a whole was going through because the band was sort of hang sort of hanging on by a thread because they didn't know how much longer they could exist without having you know, major success sales-wise. Uh, a very powerful song, uh, emotionally. I'd tell you what, I'd rather hear this shit than fucking Unforgiven. I'll tell you that much. I, I get that. I get that. Ralph? I'd rather hear this than Motley Crue. <laughs> and, and ride and, and kiss. Oh, my God. I'm a guy. No. Uh, yeah, it slows down with a beautiful song, a touching tribute to Dave Pritchard. And uh, I think it's perfectly placed on the album for, you know, a nice little uh, breathing room. You know, and it takes mega talent to keep the feelings of what they're trying to get across, you know. And, you know, through, you know, through the loss of their guitar player, it's, it's an amazing song. I, I love another day. Uh, it's kind of uh, a fitting tribute to the late great Dave Pritchard. So, w- would you say this is better than the Elder? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love you, dude. I'm telling you, man. You throw out any Kiss thing to do with this album, even the worst track. No, Young and Wasted and Detroit Rock City are not even as good as the best track on it. Oh. And Black Diamond. 
Oh. And, and, and for you, Ian, tears are falling. <laughs> All right. You're already so better. Now, yeah. With that woo, you're already better than Paul Stanley now. Clutch my pearls. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's go to the title track. Holy fucking shit, this song. The perfect title track. That fucking riff. And the way, you know, John attacks... Uh, this song vocally is so fucking vicious, you know, and you know, and I love that. I've been waiting here for you so long. What took you so long? I love that, and that fucking breakdown yeah. in the middle is just so fucking amazing. Yep. It's, you know, it, it's it's so Armored Saint too. That that little, they stick these little like left turns that have so much feeling and emotion in it. And then go right back to like just pummeling you. Yeah. It's almost like they're beating your ass, and then they hug you a little bit and continue to beat your ass. And this song is one of them. Uh, absolutely love the title track. And uh, spoiler alert, I love every other song and every song before it. This fucking album is phenomenal. It's perfect. What do you think, there, Brian? Yeah, this is my second favorite song on on the album. What a monster riff! The music was co-written by Jeff and Joey. Uh, the initial riff was written by Jeff, and that was a highlight uh, for Dave back in those early writing process days. Uh, this is the nasty sister to Tribal Dance, the, the one that fucks before you go on the first date. Uh, this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this song is totally... But enough great. about Ralph's mother. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. Songs remind me about my whore mom. <laughs> what took you so long? Uh, this song is totally in your face from from the start. The riff does not stop on this one. The solos are so good. Plus, Joey's bass is all over the place. But as Ralph mentioned, it's the best breakdown on the album. God damn it. This is, you know, the breakdown from hell. You have Gonzo just kind of standing in the pocket. Joey's kind of creeping in with the bass. And then John's using his low range before he just fucking lets loose for that huge vocal or a few power riffs before he goes back into the chorus. Goosebumps every time for me. And then this song kicks back into the main riff. If you're listening on, you know, on headphones, the last part of the song has different vocals from John going back and forth into both channels. It's a fucking amazing song. Great fun fact: the part where John says "fuck" yeah, before the, the going into the solo was actually an accident because his voice had cracked uh, in a bit, uh, you know, in a bit prior to the, the verse before, and they decided to leave it in because it sounded cool. It sounded like part of the song. So, so they, they kept the cracked voice? I don't know if they kept too? the cracked voice in, but they definitely okay. left in the fuck um, because it just sounded cool. And uh, You know, I, I hate to cut you no, off. No, you know, the, same, the same thing happened to me with uh, the Thrasher Die song called Postmortem, Postmortem Star. In the middle, the line is so long, mm-hmm. and I do it without breathing, and and I'm, fucking, I'm trying to study the lyrics, and then I, I fuck up the lyrics and I end up, you know, I end up going, the fucking thing, you know, it's just like say fucking thing. And then the guy producing the album is like, dude, come in, you know, get in the control room, check this out. <laughs> oh yeah, I made a mistake, man. I got to redo it. Go, listen to this. And he played it and I sound so angry and pissed off that I fucked it up. You can't tell it's a fuck up. You think it's part of the angry part of the song. Right. So. I did not know that story you just told, Brian. So I'm like, wow, the same thing happened to me. And we kept it. Right. It's like a happy accident. Yeah. Uh, I I did the same thing. I was doing a cover of Salem by Christopher Cross. I was like, (laughs) Salem. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I got to redo it. They're like, no, it sounds good. 
<laughs> that was that that pissed a lot of fucking Bieber Brown band fans. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, why, why, why are you straying? Why are you straying from the great uh, Eddie and the Cruisers? Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, you know, I was trying to diversify, you know, <laughs> but it was like say, you know, shit happens. <laughs> I don't know. If you ask me, I think that's worth better. I think you had something going on there. What a shitty producer to fucking take that out. <laughs> yeah. Bob Rock. You know? yeah, that, that explains it all. The say? guy responsible for rattlesnake shake. Do -do -do -do. Shake your love. <laughs> uh, all right. No, I, one one quick little thing. You know, it's the first of two songs uh, on the album to have lyrics co-written by other members that weren't John Bush. So the song is co-written by Gonzo because he actually came up with the actual title. Prior to Symbol of Salvation, it was actually called Helmet of Salvation, which in hindsight sounds really kind of awkward. So Symbol of Salvation just sounds powerful. It's a, and it's also a great album title. Uh, and then they were also thinking about calling the album Carpe Diem, which was kind of a working title at some point. But Symbol of Salvation, it, it's a perfect title, amazing song, and uh, I, I want to know what Ian thinks. Uh, well, I, I definitely dig it. And I think it, it's a great title track. It's a great heavy song. It's nowhere near my favorite uh, track on the album, but I think it's a perfect title track, if that makes sense. And I, I think it kind of sums up the album because it has a little bit of everything and it retains the heaviness of Armored Saint as, as a whole. And uh, it just, I mean, I mean it, it's, it's an awesome fucking track. It's not, there's songs I think that are better. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, you know, to pick one as a title track and kind of sum up the album, and it is a very diverse and long album. And uh, I, I absolutely fucking love it. And I'll take the next... Better than Helmet of Salvation. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. what were they thinking? Yeah, yeah. Helmet of Salvation. I couldn't yeah. believe when I found yeah. that out. That, 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 <laughs> that shit sucked. That, yeah. that, that sounds like a, a song about circumcision. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. And on the eighth day, to my helmet. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Gonzo got the same reaction. I wonder when Gonzo came up with Helmet of Salvation, he got the same reaction. Was when he jumped in the car and said, "Hey, I got the name for the band, Armored Saint," and they were all like, "That sucks." I I think it's a great, great song. Oh, what was it? Um, Excalibur. Yeah. They all saw its caliber, and then it went in the car, and Gonzo said, I got the name for the band, Armored Saint. They're like, that sucks. <laughs> and then, like, you know, when he said Helmet of Salvation, look, look, Gonzo, we let you go with fucking Armored Saint. We're not doing this Helmet of Salvation. No, he's actually the one that came up with Symbol Salvation. They were, oh, I think who John came up with Helmet? Helmet, yeah. John Bush? I think so. That's what that's what they were working wow. with. Gonzo came up with Symbol. There goes my point of view that he's a genius. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, I wanted to call the podcast Porky's 2 the next day. And uh, yeah. Ralph was like, nope. And I, no, like, we need right. a tongue twister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know all about that one. <laughs> Try to get Porky's the other day just rolls off the tongue. Oh, Not man. cool. So saith the shepherd. So saith the flock. Right. You know, Porky's 2 the next day is better than Helmet of Salvation. <laughs> they should have called this album Porky's 2. <laughs> Porky's Revenge. That's right. Uh, Before Helmet of Salvation, yes. All right, Ian, what do you think of Hanging Judge? They should have called it Christmas's Revenge because nobody bought it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hanging Judge. Uh, yeah, I dig this one. This is the one... Uh, 
if any of you saw a Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, uh, they are seen playing this song, and I believe they play another song in that album, on, in that movie too. Uh, is it Rain of Fire? I, there's a couple of scenes, I believe, uh, with Armored Saint. Warzone, maybe? I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in ages. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I know they play this one. Um, yeah, I, I dig this one. Uh, I don't think it's a, a, a standout track. I don't know if it's the best for like a single or trying to push it, but I do dig the song. And this is one that was very heavily pushed by uh, by. Jeff Duncan said like oh no that's that, that's a song you gotta put on the album and this was I believe the first song they wrote for the album and the rest of the band kind of abandoned it because they're like well no that was just us you know like get ready to put it out you know and start writing you know we feel like we've done better than that but Jeff Duncan was very adamant about like no no you gotta put this on the album and uh and, and I, I believe it deserves a spot on here. I dig it. I, I think there's better songs. Uh, but I dig Hanging Judge. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, it's a, it's tough to follow up symbol, at least for, for me. But, you know, Hanging Judge is a solid song, written again by Dave Pritchard. Uh, this one kind of sounds to me like it could have been on Delirious No Matter Raise and Fear. Uh, it's kind of got that Dave Pritchard gallop, you know, that he was known for. Uh, also, I would it seem to say this with every song, but John Bush, again, he's just singing his guts out on this one. There's a killer, killer guitar solo uh, as well on this one going into the, the twin guitar part uh, before it kicks back into the vocals. And again, just wait for John Bush at the end. Amazing vocals at the end of the song. It, it's, it's so good. Um, yeah, I guess Joey really didn't like this song when they recorded it. And, and Brian Slagle, who of course is part of Metal Blade, he loved it. It's actually his favorite track. Um, and, and going back to Hellraiser 3, um, the, the song Hellraiser that Lemmy helped write for Ozzy, that's actually on the soundtrack too. So um, definitely like Hanging Judge, I think a little bit more than that one. But Ralph, what do you think? Yeah, I love this song, man. I love that melodic verse that, ah, da, da, da. it's fucking great, dude. How does it and, go? Uh, How does it go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a boy. <laughs> <clears throat> it's it's fucking that heavy bridge and the badass chorus. You know, it's an it's amazing how all these songs on this album just fall into place. Yeah. You know, it's something I can put on at any time and get the same charge I got in 1991. I think this is a fucking incredible track. And yes, it's kind of a. You know, I guess considered a filler, but not to me. Not to me, man. Uh, the next song is called War Zone. Now, this is classic Armored Saint. Yeah. This could fit on any of their albums. And oh my God, that opening line. You know, when I dream, I see movies in my head and I always have the starring role. But the scenery is never quite clear because the film is growing old. But as I roll them dice and I pray for snake eyes. Dude, this song is killer. It's a killer ass groove. And the song screams a big fuck you to all that don't realize the greatness of Armored Saint. You punk ass bitch. What do you think, Brian? Yes, definitely could have been on, I, I think, Raising Fear. Uh, another Dave Pritchard song, a killer intro riff. It just, it's vintage Armored Saint. Uh, and it's actually probably by, you know, by the book, 
the most by the book Saint song on, on this album. And that's not a knock at all. It just basically shows how fresh and diverse the album is compared to what the band accomplished prior to this album. And, and one fun fact, this is uh, Mike Piazza, who's the Hall of Fame catcher that played for the Dodgers and the Mets. This is, I believe, his favorite Armored Saints song. So nice. he's a big time metalhead. So oh, that, great metal fan. Yeah, I think he used to walk up to If You Want Blood or, some, or something like that. Um, but yeah, t- tremendous. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, you know, you know, I mean, it, Ralph mentioned the lyrics, so you know they're good. You know, it's not, it's nothing like you know. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my <laughs> mouth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but I dig it. I fucking love Warzone. Holy shit. Is this an awesome heavy track? And I love I, I, I love when you're listening to an album that uh, is kind of long in the tooth like this one is. And and towards the end, instead of it just like whimpering out, you get a song like Warzone that just fucking kicks you in the ass and, you know, reminds you like, hey, I'm listening to a great fucking album. This is a really, really good song. And one that I would love to hear live. You know, if I, I saw him do I know they're doing some kind of tour with the anniversary of this. I don't know if they're playing the, the album in its entirety or if they're just playing, like, a lot of selections from it. But this is one, like, oh, my God, if they played this live, I'd be like, wow, this is better than Silver Spoon by Kiss. <laughs> uh, you know, by, by a long shot. Uh, I really, really dig this one, and I think it would work out live. Do either of you know, have they ever played Warzone Live? Yes, yes. actually. They actually uh, played it yeah. in San Francisco uh, when, um, two, uh, like, 2002, 2000. Yeah, I actually have a bootleg of it, so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, good they no. played it. They, they played it on the Symbol of Salvation tour when I saw it. Mm. This was on the set list. Nice. I have it's, the set list still. Yeah, it, That's it, cool. it, it should be because, I, I mean, as I'm listening to this, I was like, this this would be good live. I could see the crowd getting behind it. You know, you could do a little bit of, you know, response vocals kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Per, per, it just that's all I thought about hearing this is like, damn, this would be great live. So yeah. glad, glad to see they felt the same way too. You know, you brought up a good point. They did. Re- they, I think it was two years ago. They did a tour where they played the entire. Um, symbol of salvation album and then they throw in like five other songs and supposedly they recorded it and there's supposed to be a dvd for it and i wonder if they're just waiting and maybe until uh 2021 where it's like the the 30th anniversary of it i hope not because i want this because i you know to get a full dvd of of this album plus other ones uh, that would be that'd be amazing i believe uh, the new york show was filmed and i think canada as well okay yeah so two two shows were professionally filmed and yes this is going to be released as a DVD. Uh, John, I heard a John Bush interview saying we never really properly released like a live show on on film. Right. So so that's what this is going to be. You know, it's like they play the whole album and then you know I'd like to see what extras they do. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. All right. So uh, everybody talked about Warzone. Yes, sir. So, Brian, uh, what do you think of Burning Question? Yeah, this is another Dave Pritchard song. Again, it's just a shame that Dave didn't get a chance to experience how amazing this album turned out. I think he would have been very proud because a true talent to this day does not get his just due when it comes to guitar players and and his songwriting. Uh, I would say this one's a cross between Dropping Like Flies and Last Trade Home. 
and meaning that the vocals are kind of close to train, but the music is kind of like dropping like flies. It's a really cool, another cool deep track. And, and this is truly an album in its truest sense, as you guys have both said. Uh, all of these songs fit perfectly on the album in order. And this might be a slow burner, again, for listeners, uh, but it, and this song might not stick out compared to others, but it fits well on the album. And uh, supposedly John Bush actually prefers his vocal on the demo of this song compared to what made it to the actual album. And I'm not sure I really agree, because if you do buy that free disc set, you can you can listen to the demos. Uh, but I'm not close to the song like he is, and he's probably his bi biggest critic. So uh, his vocals do sound great on the demo as well. But uh, again, another terrific deep cut. Um, Ralph. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one would probably be considered a filler, but not to me. Uh, this is a killer track, and I believe this is probably the only song they did not play till they played the album in its entirety. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what I heard John Bush say on an interview. And uh, God, I love this track, man. I mean, but I love every track on this album, and I, I just love how he belts out burning questions at the end. Yeah. Burning questions! Like, he keeps doing that at the end and shit. It's like, it has such a great climax. You know, I think this is a fucking great tune, you know? Yeah, okay can't really match it with some of the greatness but this is better than any song that motley crew <laughs> rat or kiss ever wrote thank you what do you think um i would call this the epitome of killer filler mm -hmm. uh, but in, in the best possible way uh you know sometimes you can throw it around a little bit you know uh you know, too much. You know, you're being too kind by calling it killer filler. But this is truly uh, killer filler. What normally I would call an album track. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 right on the cusp. I mean, this isn't something that you would initially say, "Oh, I got to hear that live." But again, it's not anything you would skip. You listen to it; it fits with the flow of the album. It, it's a good song. It's a, uh, yeah. I think I, I'm gonna take away my killer film and just say it's a great album track. Uh, I really dig it. Would never skip it, and it fits right at home with the rest of the album. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then I'll go into the next track, which is "Tainted Past," and uh, this is the one that actually features guitar work by Dave Pritchard. Right. Um, I, I I love this song. It's an awesome mid-tempo rocker. Um, Again, kind of like uh, you know, an, uh, another day. It's it, it's hard to you know, classify this as a ballad, uh, it, but it's definitely mid tempo. It's a, the longest song on the album. Definitely like the most like epic track, if you would call it. Uh, uh, and it, it just really shows you what this band could do, and and. And, and shows you what a diverse album they can deliver. Uh, can you deliver? Yes, they can. That's right. You know, it, 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 it's fucking amazing. I love Tainted Past. This is one, you know, God, they pull this out live. Should be a showstopper. You know, uh, yeah. if, if enough people knew it and they played this, you know, you, you get fans of this album, you know, this would be the one where everybody's like, fuck yeah, everybody gets into it. You know, don't hold up your fucking cell phone with a flashlight. <laughs> hold up a fucking crack lighter like a true fucking rocker. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and fucking mosh and knock some dicks around, you know, and 
while somebody's getting their cock sucked in the mosh pit, make sure it gets bit a little. You know? <laughs> fucking smack people around. This is a good song. This isn't a pussy fucking song. Uh, but it, it, it's a melodic rocker. I love Tainted Past. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, this song is uh, tied with Truth Always Hurts is the best fucking song on this album. Genius lyrics along with amazing music. You know, this should have been a god. This should be a goddamn radio staple. Yep. This song should have propelled Armored Saint into headline status. It's criminal. This was not a single. It's criminal that the masses did not catch on to this amazing song. You know, this is why the charts don't matter to me, man. Don't you know? You don't put this song at number one and this album at number one and sell as well as Back in Black. I'm sorry, that's proof enough for me that the charts are fucking lame. This is fucking Stairway to Heaven type shit for me. This is probably my favorite Armored Saint song with um, Truth Always Hurts and uh, uh, Aftermath. Yep. Um, You know, God, there's so many great fucking songs, you know. But, uh, yes genius song up there in the stratosphere for me. One of the greatest songs ever written in the history of fucking history. <laughs> what do you think there, uh, Brian? This is my favorite song on the album, and uh, if Aftermath is my all-time favorite uh, Armored Saint song, then Tainted Pass is, is a really close second. Uh, because the band is just so good at writing all sorts of rock and metal songs, but I always find myself drawn to their more melodic and soulful tracks. And, that, and this is the epitome of that. And, and as Ian said, this is the only song where Dave Pritchard's guitar work actually appears on the album, which is come, it comes from his original demo from 1989. It's perfectly haunting. It's chill-inducing. And seriously, the hair will stand up on your arms during the first uh, solo, especially if you know it's Dave's. And, and there are just so many layers and textures to this song. There's a wonderful chord progression between the bass sound the acoustic guitars, and then into the power chords, and of course, John's vocals. It's a true masterpiece. The music is written by Joey Vera, and the, the only other song to have lyrics written by co-writers, uh, uh, lyric-wise, and that's Gonzo and Joey, uh, in addition to John. Now, going back to Dave's solo on there, a lot of effort was put into having the solo fit because they have a newly recorded song, and this is before Pro Tools, so it's not that easy. And the solo from the demo wasn't in the same key, uh, but the producers made it fit in the correct tuning, and you wouldn't even know it's a demo. You would think it was just part of the recording process. So that was, that's really a testament to the producers and Dave Jordan. And uh, also, be sure to check out the acoustic version of this song, which is on Nod to the Old School. Oh my God! So and I can't, I, I can't, I, Brian, I can't decide which one's better. Yeah. When they slowed it down with that old to, uh, you know, not to the old school, yep. it is, it's a different song. Oh, I got to listen to you that. Know? I haven't heard that. Oh, my, tremendous. dude. I, I haven't, so, but I haven't heard it yet. I, I, I can't be, dude, as much as I love this version, that acoustic version, which makes it different, you know, it still has the same uh, vocal melody, but I think it's as good. I don't think it's any, not even a fucking hair on John Butch's head today. <laughs> uh, less than this fucking this song is th- that version amazing I'm glad you brought it up good I was gonna bring it up too after you were done talking but you brought it up <laughs> we think alike uh, I'll, I'll take Spineless uh, to, to wrap it up at this point 
you know, the album's so diverse. It, it's anyone's guess of what sort of song would end the album. Uh, but they end up picking arguably the heaviest and the fastest song from the album to end it. It's just awesome. In many ways, Spineless is a precursor to Pater, which was the first track on their on their comeback album, which was uh, Revelation. And, and this is probably the closest to thrash that Armored Saint comes. And I suppose you could say this is what Metallica would have sounded like if John had joined the band, because that initial riff is so fast and so crunchy, it's kind of similar to what James Hetfield would write. And uh, the music was actually co-written by Joey Vera and Dave Pritchard. And uh, well, cool fact is the song was actually part of you can, run, you can Run But You Can't Hide, so according to Joey Vera. And then eventually the parts were split and you got two separate tracks. And, and again, pick up nod to the old school because you get You Can Run But You Can't Hide, which again was on the decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. So Ian, And that's yeah. the song that I screamed at John Boyd yes. in the back of the button stop. What was yours is now mine. You know that that has to be probably the greatest John Bush scream ever oh, in that song. Yeah. When he when he does that, it's like holy fuck! How do you still have a voice doing that scream? Yep. Maybe that's why oh, they don't play live. Yeah, I don't think they do it live ever. Uh, they did play this live really? uh, on the Symbol Salvation tour. Oh. Yes, Spineless was played. Oh no, there. I meant you can uh, run. You... Oh, you can run. I don't know if it's ever been played. Yeah, that's a scream. Um, oh my god, I love that song. Yep. Uh, Ian, what do you think of Spinal? Oh, I, I, I absolutely fucking love this. And uh, I was curious because you guys are much more, you know, familiar with this album than I am. Uh, I'm, I mean, I love it, but a lot of times, you know, I'm a guy. I don't, I don't do that fucking Spotify crap. I fucking, I put full albums on my phone. Spotify. Yeah. Never heard of her. Right. Right, but you know what I mean? Like, I have, like, this huge SD card on my phone. I've got thousands of albums on my phone. But a lot of times, you know, to save space, um, I delete, like, if I get a special edition, I'll delete, like, a lot of the bonus tracks and just keep the meat of what I want to have to make room for other albums. And I was curious. Uh, I was like, is, is this, how, you know, as I'm listening to it today, and I, like I said, I listened to like, fucking five or six times. I'm like, was this originally on the album, or is this a bonus track? No, it's because, originally on the album. Yeah. Right, right, no, I know that now. Okay. But I, I was like, because it's a weird way to end the album. Because mm-hmm. no, to me, like, Tainted Past would have been, like, a, a logical way to, to end the album, you know, with, with this epic track and everything. But I was like, this song is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Like, god damn, I love this shit. And I did, I had to go on... You know, while, while I'm at work listening to it, I, I want to. I'm like, okay, this is how the album, uh, you know, originally ends, because uh, you know, I've I've had this special edition since I've known the album, and uh, fuck, you know. But I, I was sitting there wondering, like, is this the proper placement? Should have this been earlier in the album? It's a great fucking song. That that goes without saying. It's a great fucking song. You know, but I'm thinking to myself, is is this right? Did they make the right decision here? And I gotta say, by the time I kept listening to it, yes, it is. Yeah. As great as Tainted Past is, what a way to fucking end this. And I've said this a gazillion times on here. The great hallmark of an album is to end with a song that leaves you want more. And and Tainted Past would have done that for me. It would have been like, oh, what an epic, great way to close it. But here's a way, like, not only are we going to give you a great epic to end the album, 
we're going to give you one to kick you square in the fucking nuts and to remind you that we are armored fucking saints. And that's what this does. I absolutely love this track. Definitely in my top four for the fucking album. I love Spineless. What a way to end this incredible fucking album. And I hope so many people go and check this out who, who haven't given this a chance. And and I admit I'm guilty. It took me a long time to get there, but I'm there now, brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you to go worship at the saints. Well, it's kind of like what Metallica did in Master Puppets. You end with Damage Inc., you know, and then it makes you want to hear Battery. Just like after Spineless, you want to hear Rain of Fire. I, th- I think it was a perfect Ooh. way to end it. And plus, you know, <laughs> Orion. Oh, Metallica? Never heard of her. Sorry. Orion, Orion, one of the... Right. Uh, my favorite yeah. Metallica song. It's my favorite. So to, uh, to end it with Damage Inc. Was, wow, was wow. That, that's, my, that's my son's favorite Metallica song. It's mm-hmm. Orion. So there yep. you go. <clears throat> but anyway, so yeah, I love this song. You know, end it with a scorcher that beats the fuck out of everyone. Yep. And, you know, and let you know this is Armored Saint. I love, you know, they, they do have a history of ending their albums with a scorcher. You know, you have Underdogs, yeah. you have uh, Released, uh, uh, False Alarm, uh, you know, up to this point. Yep. And uh, it's to be expected, but uh, yes, like Brian was saying, this has more of a chugging, thrash feel to it. And I just love how, you know, he's like, uh, you know, seven year it's spineless, you're so bizarre, silent, son of a bitch. That fucking riff, dude, it's so metal. Yeah. It's fucking, it would never go through a fucking uh, airport, like, you know, checkpoint. <laughs> this shit will fucking make all the fucking metal detectors blow up. This fucking song rules. Yes, it's total Armored Saint heaviness when they get heavy Madhouse. You know, the the heaviness of fucking, uh, you know, uh, there's so many fucking songs that they have that are are heavy and fast and furious like this, but this one has that extra little crunch to it. Which, you know, you have to thank the producer of this album. Yes, Dave uh, Jordan. Yeah, you have to, you know, to get that sound. Because this is a, a different, a heavier sound. For what they've done before with their heavy tracks. Well, it's it's heavier yet polished at the same time. I really think he brought out the best in this band. Yep, it's it's, it's just fucking amazing. But that's the weird thing about Armored Saint. All their albums are amazing in different ways. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Raising Fear, man. Yeah, I know a lot of people that point to that one as the best Armored Saint album. It's definitely their heaviest album. You know, I fluctuate and, between that, between Symbol and Raising Fear for many, many times. Because, you know, Book of Blood, Raising Book Fear. Book of Blood, right there, yeah. man. Yeah, Isolation. You know, yeah. Human yeah. Vulture. Oh, yeah. Uh, chemical Euphoria. It's like, well, oh, my well, God. Well, let, let me ask you guys while you're here, though. I mean, wouldn't you agree, though, that Revelation is right up there? I really oh, yeah. love I really Absolutely. love Well, I, I don't up. think Armored Saints ever made a pet album, no. honestly. I mean... Uh, La Raza took a little getting used to, and still probably if I was to pick a least favorite, would be that one. But I think it's a great album. Wind Hands you know? Down is amazing. Wind Hands Down yeah. is, dude, that, that album, forget it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they, they, they even topped all the reunion albums with Wind Hands Down. I think that album's just fucking, just so badass. Yeah. Revelation See, was special for me because it was like the first time I could wait for a, you know, a, a, an Armored Saint album to come out. 
and so that's why you know that that was amazing when that when that came wow. out. Yeah. Never forget first time I heard, you know, when I heard Pedro, I was like, oh, yep. they're back. Yep. You know, it's just amazing. Awesome. All right, so give us the four one one on Symbol of Salvation. There you All right, well, this sound was released May fourteenth, three days after my seventeenth birthday in nineteen ninety one. Produced by Dave Jordan, released on Metal Blade Records. And uh, that's something you can find out about if you get the uh, deluxe edition. Is They were dropped by Chrysalis, and they originally released the uh, live album on Metal Blades, hoping that would help stir some interest to get them a new record deal. It didn't work out. They stayed with Metal Blade, because Metal Blade believed in them. And... Uh, this, this album did get a buzz. It was probably like, you know, the, the you know the biggest buzz they had up to that point and probably after that point. But unfortunately, it didn't transpire into mega record sales or mega recognitions. And shortly thereafter, John Bush would take the invitation to join Anthrax. Uh, but it's a masterpiece. And again, I can't stress enough if you like this album already or you're just discovering it, go out of your way to get the 2003 Metal Blade Special Edition. It's three disc. It has uh, the, the, the album remastered. It has all the songs except for Half Drawn Bridge in demo form. It has interviews talking about not only this era of the band, but it goes track for track. Which, I mean, I mean, if you love an album, what more can you ask for than a band going track for track? Because that's, that's the kind of shit I love. Also has uh, the original four-track demo uh, that they put out. I mean, it's just, it, it's a great package. So check it out. Armored Saint, fucking Symbols of Salvation. A metal masterpiece, I think we all agree. What a great fucking review. And also, the, what, a great the great part, what a great part about that interview is they're all, they all remember everything. You know, there's sometimes when, when artists kind of go through each song, they barely remember anything about it, or they really don't have much to say. That's not the case on this. They totally get in depth, which is, which is a really, really cool. Right. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, now it's time to go into the pick of the week. And uh, Brian, since you are a special guest, what is your pick of the week? Cool. So I actually have two, uh, and they're both DVDs. You need to go out if you're an Armored Saint fan. You need to pick up both of their DVDs. So get A Trip Through Red Times, which was the first one, which was originally released on VHS back in 91. And it's a really cool snapshot of Armored Saint through the 80s. And so fans of the original uh, guitarist, Dave Pritchard, you get all this vintage footage of the original lineup. Uh, some of the video quality is kind of like bootleg, but that's okay. It's kind of like Cliff Amal. Um, and there's some pro shot clips, which um, you get to see like a Minneapolis concert from 87, which was a Raising Fear tour. That has terrific quality. But then you get to see the super early shots from 83, where you get to see them in the uh, the armory, which is which is cool before they you know launch into March of the Saint. Um, yeah, you get the last performance ever with Dave Pritchard from uh, 89 and a super rare video of uh, them performing in Dave's parents living room. So it, it's great. Uh that and then get the other one they released in 2004 called Lessons Not Well Learned. And so it's just a perfect bookend to have that. This covers from uh, 91 to 2001 and uh, the band was based on hiatus most of that. So it's uh, it's which all the recordings come from a few shows from 91 in LA and from 2001 in Jersey. 
So definitely check it out. Uh, CD uh, from 1984, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Ralph, what's your pick of the week? Yeah, and also want to add that that rip uh, trip through Red Times has like the coolest Armored Saint interview. Yeah, as a bonus, because I've always owned uh, Trip Through Red Times on uh, VHS, but when they re-released it on DVD, they added this. Man, it's like an hour long, yes. right? But it's hilarious, very informative. Uh, them just sitting around the studio talking about old times and their history and. It's very well uh, documented uh, for Armored Saint fans. That's something you definitely got to check it out. All yep. right, I have three picks this week. Three, <laughs> not just one, not just two, but I'm going with three picks. There you go. All right, my first pick. It's a song. <clears throat> the song's called "Truth Always Hurts" off the album "Symbol of Salvation." <laughs> this song is amazing. It's my it's my first pick. My second pick is a song off this album called Tainted Past. <laughs> oh my god, that song. I'm a oh my god. Tainted Past <laughs> is so fucking awesome. That's my second pick. My third pick of the week is the album Armored Saint, Symbol of Salvation. Every song's a winner. It fucking rules. If you don't believe me, rewind. <laughs> and pick up Helmet of What's Salvation, your pick? too. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. Stay away from Helmet of Salvation. <laughs> Awesome. Ian? Well, I will be the odd man out because I kind of had a feeling you guys were going to pick uh, Armored Saint, you know, related picks. Mine is a new band that I just discovered probably about a month ago, and they've really blown my mind. And this is a metal band from Italy called Black Elephant. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, the last thing we need is another band called Black Whatever. <laughs> uh, but Black Elephant and I'm talking about their third studio album called Cosmic Blues released uh, last year 2008 this shit is really really good you listen to it I mean you're definitely going to hear the influences but it's not it's not derivative it's not like a carbon copy this is just a young band from Italy that totally Gets Black Sabbath, gets, you know, what they represent, but adding their own little thing to it. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's a throwback, but it's also very contemporary. Uh, an incredible, incredible album. Uh, I know it's going to be hard to find for some people here in the colonies, but check out Black Elephant Cosmic Blue. That is my pick of the week. Cool. Right All right, well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week, and Fan of the Week is here with us, the incredible Brian Davis. Brian, you've been such an amazing guest in the past, the present, and sure to be in the future. Uh, we love, love having you on this show. We, oh, love, yeah. we, we love your own show, Damn Good Movie Memories, a, a, oh, quality, yeah. a quality podcast, and... And I'm so proud that, you know, there's been some other podcasts that have inspired, uh, you know, some other, you know, successful podcasts, uh, you know, but we've inspired a lot of shitty podcasts, <laughs> you know, but you are one of the ones who, who count us as an influence, but yeah. you went off, you did your own thing, you did something different, which I think is a very smart move, you did another smart move where you didn't do something that was like, Oh my God! We're only gonna talk about Kiss. Oh my God! 
Not yet. Armored Saints better. You know, wait till I do Phantom meets you know the Phantom meets Kiss or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. That, that's great. But no, you created not only you stepped away from the music, you went into the movie genre. Yeah. But you've created something to where you can go all over the map. Where you have a podcast that has a future. You're not pigeonholed. Uh, you can do. You've done everything from straight up movie reviews to movie soundtrack reviews to. Yeah. It's all related to movies, but it, it, it's not pigeonholed. And we're only going to talk about Transformer sequels, <laughs> you know. Uh, we're going to talk about movies done by, uh, uh, you know, what, what's that horrible guy that does all the Transformer movies? Michael Bay. Yeah, we're only going to do Michael Bay movies. Yeah. No, you, you've created a great podcast that, uh, God damn, you've had so many great guests. And what I, what I love about your show, too, is... You're not pretentious. You're like, oh, if I can't get Martin Scorsese on my movie, <laughs> on my podcast, I'm not going to have anybody. No, you you have fans uh, just like we do. Uh, you have the common man on your show, but you talk about extraordinary topics. It, I really, really believe in what you do, and it's not just me, brother. You have a great following. People really believe in what you do, and you add so much every time you guest on here. You've donated time and time again. And God damn it, uh, I don't I don't care if you have to get divorced. I want to see you <laughs> at Rock and Pod Three this year, and I'm not the only one, uh, brother. We cherish your friendship. We appreciate what you contribute to the show. We love you. Thank you so much. You are our fan of the week. Oh man, that, yeah. that, that that's amazing. Thank you, Ian. And yes. uh, no, it's seriously I, the influence of you guys have always been down to earth. You guys have always been real, and how could that not rub off on me? And so I, I tried to. Well, do well, well. If you listen to any other podcast we inspired, you would know it doesn't always rub off. <laughs> well, I took it to to the real heart, and what uh, you know, really, uh, you know, took the lessons that you guys uh, did. Well, thank you. Yeah, and and honestly, that's um, I I love talking movies. I love talking music, and I like uh, introducing people to things that. Even if they've seen it a million times, maybe I'll give you something that you didn't know. And and then for the people that haven't seen the movie, maybe introduce. And you guys do the same thing as well. And uh, as many fans of Rock and Metal Combat podcasts have said, like they would they would do anything for you guys because of all the hours of entertainment that you guys provide. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier to be part of your family. And uh, I'm honored every time you guys have me on. Well, thank you. Well, well, let let people know more about your show and, and where they can listen to it, where they can download sure. it, because this is very important. Yeah, so definitely go. Damn good movie memories. I, I talking about being influenced by rock and metal combat podcast. I had to do a tongue twister too. So we uh, <laughs> we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Podbean. Uh, you can find us anywhere you really download, um, except for YouTube. I, I do have a few stuff on YouTube, but if we want to put music on there, you can't really hear it. And we do have fun soundtrack episodes because Ian's been on to do the Blues Brothers soundtrack, which was amazing. We had Ian, which is one of my top downloads. Uh, when we just all we do is talk movies. We I had yes. a bunch of questions <laughs> we went through that, and it still downloads like crazy today. Uh, both Ralph and Ian were on to talk about movies from 1975 to 79. So, yeah, and and, and Ralph's going to be on soon. So that's, uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. tremendous. And uh, I couldn't be more proud uh, to be associated with you guys. And, um, yeah, I love movies, well, I love music, and we're going to keep going. 
Yeah, well, we're proud to be associated with a good podcast, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do my best. <laughs> thank you, Ian. That 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 was amazing. That was absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, we 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 love you, brother, so much, man, and we oh, appreciate you. Love you guys too. All right, uh, Ralph, we got any plugs? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, fuck all those other leeches. That's right. <laughs> fuck them. Go to hell. We did it. We, we, we Yeah, here they are. <laughs> well, just do the fucking sign. All right. Fuck it. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this very armored, very saintly episode, come back next week when we go back to fan-picked episodes. Will it be an album this good? I don't know, but somebody paid for it, so we're going to fucking talk about it whether or not. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Yeah.